Here they come! Welcome to episode 32 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today we're having a bit of a special episode. In the spirit of comic crossovers, where the old Justice League of America would meet up with the Justice Society, we're teaming up today with the Star Wars in Character podcast to discuss the whole Battle of Hoth sequence from The Empire Strikes Back. Hello, who is it? Hello, Tim. Hello. Hello, and welcome to this <laughs> uh, quite an epic. I don't know, you see, because um, I'll get to this in a minute, but you're number one in this uh, hmm. thing that I've decided to do. I ha- Right now, I have no idea how long this episode's going to be, how sprawling it is, or whatever. Um, each of you guys, I'm recording separately, and then I'm, I'm going to assemble at the end. Okay. okay. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been sort of like mulling over the idea of a Star Wars in character, effectively speaking, team up. Um, after all, I, I owe you guys so much in, in actually getting this thing done. Okay. Um, um, but I, I was wondering, I thought, because... Star Wars in character, you know, you you focus on one character or one device or Mm -hmm. one craft and just focus on that. You don't really talk about something, a sequence in its entirety, you know. So that's what I wanted to do. And um, I was thinking about what to do. And my first thought was to actually do the the trench sequence from A New Hope. Oh, okay. But I thought that might get quite involved, and and that would be a very long <laughs> um, yeah. um, uh, uh, episode. So second choice was uh, the Battle of Hoth. So here we go. Um, yeah. Now to go about this, what I did was I I sat down, uh, put the Blu-ray on, and I watched the sequence, and I timed it, and then that time in I divided into four because there's four of you guys on Star Wars yeah. character. That gave me. Uh, four three and a half segments three and a half minute segments um, put you guys into a hat and you were the first one out so you are hey. numero uno okay <laughs> all right okay so your chunk starts from um, general there's a fleet of star destroyers dot 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 um, up to the view of the uh, walker's head in the macro binoculars um, yes so I haven't given you much chance to talk right now, uh, Tim, but uh, let's have the clip and off you go. All right? All troop carriers will assemble at the north entrance. The heavy transport ships will leave as soon as they're loaded. Only two fighter escorts per ship. The energy shield can only be opened for a short time, so you'll have to stay very close to your transports. Two fighters against a Star Destroyer? The ion cannon will fire several shots to make sure that any enemy ships will be out of your flight path. When you've gotten past the energy shield, proceed directly to the rendezvous point. Understood? Yeah. Good luck. Okay, everybody to your stations. Let's go. Bye.
Right. So, General, there's a fleet of Star Destroyers, um, and we have General Rykin. Now, I can't remember. Yes. Have, have you covered him in the show yet? We we have, yes. So it was a while ago. I, I remember... I don't remember all the, many of the specifics of him, but I remember he had he had a he had a sad, the character in the in his extended story had a sad life, and he, I remember linking him to like uh, to like Lincoln Lincoln's melancholy, like sad sad existence. He was depressed, and I think he had something to do with General Dodonna also, but. Uh, it was a, that's it's that's going back quite a while ago on the mm. show. I can't remember how how far back, but uh, quite a while ago. Yeah, he is a long while back because I, I was trying to think, and it's like, have they done him? Have they not done him? And uh, he doesn't he doesn't uh, come to mind. So he must have he, been quite a while back. Yeah, it's 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 that's going back quite a while. I mean, we've been doing the show for a while. So when I when I'm trying to think of characters, I'm like, did we do that guy? Did we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I, um, this guy, um, he's played by an actor called Bruce Boer. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I first watched Empire Strikes Back, and I'm watching it, and there he was. And, you know, um, 40 Towers had only been out a year, but he had yeah. stuck in my mind because, of course, he's in a classic 40 Towers episode called Wardorf Salad. Uh, where he's an American tourist who comes to stay at uh, John Cleese's hotel and uh, uh, John Cleese has given uh, the cook the night off thinking it's going to be an easy ride and uh, this American tourist arrives and he wants a Waldorf salad and um, John Cleese had never heard of it. (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, I want to say I want to say that when we did the episode we talked about this scene because it it was readily available on YouTube Mm. Uh, I, yeah, that that sounds that sounds really really familiar. I, I was not a didn't watch. I'm not a Faulty Towers watcher. I remember we showed on PBS here, but uh, but that scene, I know I've seen it uh, on. It must have been on YouTube uh, around the time that we did that episode. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It it, it is available on YouTube, and it is a classic. Um, and you know. But it just took me out the film. It's like that's the guy from Waldorf Salad, you know, because I was such a. Well, I, sorry, I was going to say what I think is interesting is is the with, with you guys with the film since so many of the actors in those original movies and uh and and, and a lot of the movies that were filmed in in Europe at that time were television actors and and that were very common for for you guys. So I, I can see like watching Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi saying, "Oh, that's that guy from this, and that's mm. that guy from this." But for for us in the United States, those were all fresh faces. Like for the most part, unless you've been really had a keen eye for James Bond, James Bond and Superman movies, you didn't recognize most of the actors from other things yeah. too often. Yeah, it, it it did happen. You know, um, you would see from time to time, you know, as in the big blockbusters, they've roped in anyone who could do a passable uh, American accent who's living yeah. in England because it's a lot cheaper to rope in, um, you know, an actor who's already living in the UK mm-hmm. rather than shipping them in from America, you know? Yeah, that's the difference now is these films, are mo- those films were mostly populated with, you know, uh, 
standard casting where now it's like they go through this huge process. So everybody in the movie has this resume uh, of stuff that you've seen. So now like when you watch a Star Wars movie, the entire main cast is all like stars that have made their names in other movies. Yeah, yeah. But we didn't know that back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll move on from that. And uh, we, we go out into space and we see what I consider just the most fantastic shot of uh, Vader's ship as it and the other Star Destroyers. They pass by left to right towards the planet, don't they? Yes, um yeah i mean that we we saw we see that that ship early on in the in the uh, the movie so they show you this the the scope and the size of vader's new ship um but uh it's it's pretty cool like this particular scene they sort of revisited to show you look how gigantic this star destroyer is compared to these other ones which you know in that in the first Star Wars, you, you spent 20 seconds with this Star Destroyer flying overhead. Yeah. If this one was to fly overhead at the beginning of Star Wars, it would take five minutes. Yeah. And it's done so well. Even if you're yeah. a five-year-old back in 1980, you know, you don't need to know that is Darth Vader's ship. You know, that, 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 there's no um, um, denying it. You know, it's lit differently to the other Star Destroyers. It's sort of like mm-hmm. a dark blue compared to the very sparse, you know, grey white of the Star Destroyer. And you've got these beautifully lit red engines as it goes past, you know. Yes. There's no mistake in Darth Vader's on that <laughs> ship, isn't it? You know? Yeah. Yeah, actually, it's, it's one of those things. They, um, I don't think they ever explicitly state Darth Vader is there. Yeah, it's it, you. You automatically assume, and you assume correctly that that's Vader's ship because they never once say, "Check out my new ship." Yeah, no, and that's what I love about it. It back then you were giving the uh, the audience an awful lot more, you know, uh, credit that they've got intelligence mm-hmm. than you do now. It is the classic thing of uh, show don't tell. You yes. don't have to say Darth Vader's on that ship. It's implicit just through imagery, you know, and that's what I love about it, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, even if you look at the more recent. Star Wars, like Rogue One, they put the planet's name down at the bottom corner. (laughs) It's like, just to let you know. It is dumbed down. I mean, that's a whole different, you know, tangent we could go off on. But, you know, I I consider modern cinema the last, you know, few years. It's just dumbing down more and more and more. And you don't need to. You really don't need to do it. Give give your audience some credit to have a bit of intelligence and they can figure (laughs) it out for themselves, you know? Exactly. All right, and, and then we cut inside Vader's ship, and we've got the uh, his meditation pod, which uh, you've not long ago featured on Star Wars in character. We did, yes. Yeah, yeah we did. What's your personal uh, interpretation of just why is he in there and what's he doing? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 weird. I mean, I guess I guess the the the, the thinking behind the pod when they were conceiving of it his well he has to live in a suit and then they show him without his mask on later and it's like well he ha- he can't live in the regular environment so he needs to have an enclosed enclosed space so i guess the idea was he walks around with a little iron lung so this is a big iron lung mm. so I, I i never really thought of it as a place that he would go to meditate i just figured you know, if he had to sleep, that's where he's got to go sleep. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
it, it's one of those things you're not really meant to think about it. It, it looks yeah. cool and, and, and you, you know, it is great. But yeah, you're right. I, I, I just love the concept of the idea of somebody in the uh, Empire has to make him this pod and a device yeah. for taking off and putting on his helmet. Why he can't take his helmet off and put it on by himself, I really don't know, <laughs> you know? Yeah, he's 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 a he's he's a high up. He needs he needs machines to do it for him. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we have General Veers coming in, grassing up um, um, Admiral Ozzel, um, um, just <laughs> in quite an underhand way, and yeah. uh, and we have Ozzel being choked there, which again you've discussed on the show already. <laughs> yeah, um, and choking uh, him via via video phone. He's able uh, to. Yeah. He's able to Skype his force, which I never understood. If, uh, I mean, how far away is is uh, is Ozzel at that point? Is he is is he literally around on the other side of the wall? Like I can see that, but if he's if he's on another star destroyer, you know, a hundred miles away, a hundred space miles away, it's like, how can yeah. you do that? Again, it is a case of thinking too much, isn't it? You know? <laughs> I will it, say, I will, I will say this. I, I like, I, I like the look of the screens in, in this, in this movie, uh, or, or, or in, in the early Star Wars movies. I like, I like that they put the lines on there mm. to show that it's that that it is a video screen, even though you can tell it's obviously been filmed and has a. Um, as effects put over top of it, but for some reason it it works. It they sort of they sort of wash it out with a little bit of a green tint. Yeah, and and, uh, and there's interference as well. It's, yeah, it, it's glitchy, isn't it? You know, it's it's the kind of thing that a lot of other um, movies hadn't really tried at that time. Like when you would watch Star Trek, uh, the screen would be uh, would be pristine. And and maybe in, in you know nowadays with with uh, high def and everything, that's not. I mean, I guess that's 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 how it should be. I think that's how people would expect it to be. But uh, but even when you would watch like when um, Kirk and Khan are are bickering back and forth in Star Trek Two, I think it's just a a nice uh, crystal clear screen yeah. that they're yeah. talking through. See that 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 that's the difference, isn't it, between Star Wars and Star Trek? Like you say, it's very clean. That's what mm-hmm. I've never liked. I, even though, yeah, you know, I, I like the original TV show, well, up until uh, season three, uh, <laughs> and, and a few of the films. Everything's clean. Everything's nice, um, and it's just detached from reality. To have glitches on the th- on the screens. Also, of course, in 1980, you know, uh, we're back in a time where TV transmissions weren't very good. If yeah. you want to convey that you're talking across a distance, um, you do put in um, glitches and stuff, don't you? You know? Yep. Yeah. Everything's on UHF. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, we see it later on or, no, before this sequence uh, where the probe droid is uh, sending back signals and, you know, yes. Vader says, oh, that's it. Uh, the rebels are there. Again, a glitchy screen, which I, I, I'm guessing back then they were doing to actually infer that this is realistic, if you like. Yeah, yeah. To, I guess, I guess, if if I was a ten year old watching this for the first time, you, I, I, I wonder. I, you kind of wonder what a what goes through like a little kid's mind watching some of these movies that has this old technology that back 
then when we were watching it was modern mm. and in, in, in some cases futuristic, but now is, it looks, looks dated. Uh, yeah. for, for, I mean, in terms of the technology, not necessarily the effects, but yeah, the, I'm, 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 I, it, it all depends. I mean, if, 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 a you know, a child now is suddenly presented with it, yeah, that might be a problem. Um, I can speak for our children, our children, since they were very little, they've, they, they've grown up watching old films, you know, they've mm-hmm. grown up watching the original King Kong and whatever, you know, we're going through a bit of a, uh, we're, we're rewatching all our, um, Laurel and Hardy shorts at the moment <laughs> and they haven't got a problem with the sound being all over the place, um, and scratches on the print and it being in black and white. But I do wonder what a child who has never experienced anything before the digital age yeah. would make of things now. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it it would be interesting to to somehow figure out how to step inside a kid's brain and, and figure out what they think when they see these things. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. Ozzel, I, I know you've covered Ozzel before, and there was you know much hilarity over his choking <laughs> scene. The whole, my lord, we've come out of light speed and. Um, yeah. And uh, and also and it's just kind of a pratfall. <laughs> yeah, well, that's I, that, that's what I was coming up to. His pratfall, yeah, you, you know, as a, as I say, you, you guys have discussed it. You've discussed Admiral Pierre as well. Um, his reaction to it, and you know, can you come and clear up this body? But I, <laughs> I, I, I was watching it again for the for, for this sequence, and I love the way you know that Anthony Sheard when he does his choke bit just before he falls over, he turns sideways. Okay, he's sideways <laughs> yeah. onto the camera to actually make the choking effect more effective and falls down, you know. And I don't know <laughs> if he was actually told to do this, you know, by uh, Kirshner or what. But <laughs> the fact that he theatrically turns around sideways before then falling over, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I mean, that's a stage actor for you. But I'm, Kirsch probably said, you know, it would probably be a good idea if you, uh, you know, you turned and you fell. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, Kirsch. Because I can't see how, you, you know, Ken Colley and all the others there, when he does that, doesn't crack up. Because <laughs> if I was there, I would crack up. Maybe this is like the millionth time, you know, or yeah. something. But, you know, I would crack up seeing him <laughs> doing yeah. that. I, I would like to see all the takes. I, I would think he would – I don't know if you're familiar with Seinfeld, but, like, all the takes – it, it, it seems to me like like Sheard would probably do each fall differently the same way like Kramer – would walk into a never would never walk in the door the same the same way twice on Seinfeld. Yeah, and then they just choose the one they like. Yeah. You know? <laughs> okay, we're, we're, we're going to move on, um, and we cut back um, to the rebel base and the X-wing pilots brief briefing there. Mm-hmm. Um, we've mentioned this uh, just before about you know hangers in science fiction films, and this is about the best in in yeah. my mind. The the hangar looks brilliant. You know, it looks real because they had the space to do it, didn't they? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, you have, you have this, this hanger that goes on. I don't know if, if there's any effects in terms of like a matte painting or if they just seriously had a huge set for this. Um, yeah. No, I think it was the biggest, you know, uh, well, it's effectively a hanger that they were filming in. And, and, you know, it, it, um, uh, that is all real, you know? Hmm. Because uh, I know when you watch the first Star Wars, you can see it goes back. It probably goes back like 25 feet, and then it's it's kind of dark, and then <laughs> it's sort of either a matte painting or they just sort of overlaid it over something. But it sort of feels like 
there are uh, background curtains back there. Just sort of that's exactly the what they had. They had black curtains to hide the wall because you know, they couldn't <laughs> go back any further, you know. But in this scene, I, I love the fact that uh, as all the uh, X-Wing pilots are running over to hear their briefing uh, from Princess Leia, in the background, you've got the Falcon there. You've got the full-size Falcon now that they've made for Empire Strikes Back. And I don't know if that actually is uh, Harrison Ford on top or if that's a stand-in dressed as him. But in the background, if you if you look, you can actually see it. it's Han Solo, not Chewbacca, that's using the uh, the welding device. Oh, I you know, I never noticed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked at it and I I thought, oh, that's Chewbacca. And then I looked a bit closer and it's like, no, that's Han Solo. (laughs) Now, you know, Harrison Ford, he's got a background in DIY and, you you know, woodworking and stuff like that. So it could be he's like, yeah, I can do this. You know, he probably he probably did go up there. I mean, this is again, this is back in the days when yeah, you you had stand ins. But, you know, why use them if if you can? Yeah, yeah, so. and someone like Harrison Ford, he's hands-on, you know, he's he's yeah. not like, he's not, he 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 wasn't and he isn't now in any way a lovey, mm-hmm. in the in the lovey actor sense of the words, you know, he would get his hands dirty, he, he would knuckle down in, and he would do stuff, wouldn't he? Yeah, so yeah, yeah if if, uh, if the film required it, whether he really wanted to do it or not, he'd be like, I'll do it. Yeah, 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 I think that's him. We then cut outside, and it's the first time we see the rebel troops. Um, they're outside there. And again, I've said this before, and I'll say it again about the original Star Wars things. Things aren't explained. They're just there. You take from it uh, what you will. Mm-hmm. And the rebel troops are there. Um, they've set up some sort of trench system there. Very World War One to have actually yeah. have a trench system. I, I do wonder what is the use of digging trenches when you're just about to have all these walkers coming towards you? Well, I mean, they, they have, they must, the, the trenches must have been dug ahead of time. Mm, yeah. So I, there's, the, I mean, there's just no way that they could have dug these trenches in 10 minutes uh, once they, get alerted that something's happening so that the trenches must have been there ahead of time yeah and also Um, vader says you know prepare your troops for a ground assault maybe the rebels are assuming it is just going to be uh troops coming across the ice field and not walkers in which case you would need trenches because it's world war one again isn't it yeah yeah so yeah they they probably i mean they probably assumed that there would be some sort of tank warfare Mm. Uh, but yeah, whether or not they knew that that they were going to be sending adats mm. down, and, and and actually, you wonder like, do they? I, w- I would assume that they know that the the empire has these these things. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you, they probably yeah. just didn't assume that they would use them in this environment. Yeah, you saying that there now, you you say adats, okay? Yeah. I say imperial walkers, okay. <laughs> And the reason I say Imperial Walkers is at no point in the film does anyone ever say Atats. So I've just always taken it as Imperial Walkers because that's what they call them. I've always taken it from the toys, like the toys, the the, the AT-AT. And um, back when we were kids, you would watch the commercials, and some of the commercials would say Imperial Walker, AT-ATs, and some would say Atats. Right. 
There, there's the difference right there, because you say when we were kids and when Empire came out, I was 18. So yeah. I was a lot older. So therefore, I wasn't buying the toys. And so I wasn't paying any attention to that. I was just watching what was on film. That's the difference. Right. That, there's the explanation why yeah. that's an attack to you and an Imperial Walker to me. Yeah, I, I, to, to me, I call it an ad at. Uh, that's that's the way I'm, what I've always called it. Or you know, it it, it really depends. I mostly call it an ad at, but every once in a while, I go, oh, it's an AT AT. <laughs> but trying not to sound like a little, you know, like a little kid. But, uh, yeah, but you do, you do. <laughs> you, know, you, can't, you can't help but not, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, and, and and it's filmed in Norway, of course. All these all mm-hmm. these exterior scenes. Uh, I, I I've seen it pronounced as Fins. I've seen it pronounced as Finsar. Um, I'd love to go there. I would really love to go to Norway and um, and 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 go up there. But I know, you know, Norway, Sweden, uh, many of these uh, Iceland, many of these countries in that area, they are just so expensive uh, That's... to visit. That's what I've heard. Like uh, I, I used to hear interviews with people who would like to go to the places, and they're like, "Yeah, we'd love to go up to Hoth, but my God, is it expensive?" Yeah, I mean, you and I have talked before, and you've said before about how the UK is an expensive, you know, place to visit. Yeah, but this is far more. You know, if if the UK is indeed far more expensive than America. Um, I, th- I think prices wise in Norway and, and, and these countries we're talking about, you're talking about three, four times the price of anything. Yeah, you know? I, I've heard I've heard like if you go to, you know, in, in the United States, if you get a Big Mac, it's it's four dollars. I've I've been told that if you go to a McDonald's in uh, up there in like Norway or Sweden, it's like a twelve dollar hamburger for a Big Mac. Good Lord. How, how much is a Big Mac in America right now? Right now, Big Mac is 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 around four dollars. I think I, I want to say the sandwich on its own is I think three fifty nine. I think right. on average. Right. I don't go in McDonald's, but I think <laughs> now it's about a fiver. It's about five pounds, something like that over here. So not too different. No. Yeah. Over, I guess five pounds. I always think of a pound as a as a buck and a half. Yeah, something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So about it's 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 like a it's like a six or seven dollar hamburger. Okay, right, but far more up there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to go. I mean, I I've got a friend. He 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 went to uh, to visit Norway and he had a fantastic time. But he said it's so expensive. But he he went and it was just amazing because of course when you're that far north in the world during the summer winter can't remember which way around. I guess it's the summer. The sun never sets. Yeah. And they went out to a nightclub until like, you know, three in the morning and they came out and it was still daylight. <laughs> <laughs> it's just another world up yeah. there. Yeah. I love the those shots um, uh, because they, they stand out so differently from the uh, most of the other films uh, because you get the scope of the daylight. Hmm. And you and you can tell that they've gone outside and they are shooting outside. Yeah. And the and you can tell that they they didn't have much control over the light because it's so bright. They couldn't they couldn't set up the especially when when they're out there for those B unit shots of of shooting the the terrain. It's just so bright and you just get the you just get the idea of of the natural light there. But like when you watch some of the other ones. They had more control over 
the environment, like especially in Empire or Return of the Jedi and other mm-hmm. films that where the environments aren't even authentic and real, um, where you can tell that they've controlled the light with you know fill uh, fill lamps and and mm-hmm. other spotlights and different things. But this one, when you see that, it's just like it's very natural. It almost looks like a uh, like a uh, Discovery Channel uh, documentary of the way they yeah. just set up yeah, a camera. Yeah. You're absolutely right, and they they had that same problem with A New Hope, you, you know, with the tattooing scenes in Tunisia. Mm-hmm. There's um, the very few uh, cases where you do actually have lens flare. Um, one of the occasions is actually off a C-3PO because the light is just so blooming bright, yeah. you know, you, it, it flared off into the lens, you know. See, I, I kind of I like that stuff. I like I like the natural look mm. when they when they go and they they shoot out in the natural light. I mean, obviously. There are times where you need to to move lamps around, and when you watch, when you see photos of behind the scenes, even on Star Wars, they were still using lamps to 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 reduce shadow and and mm. contrast. But uh, I like that look, and that, I think that's uh, that in this movie, uh, you see it most of all um, mm. when they're out there. Yeah. And I also like the fact in this scene, just in this one shot where you've got the the commander, you know, there in the trenches, you see the gun turrets there. And again, they're not explained. It's just assumed you understand what they are. And I love the design of them. They to me, they always look like styrofoam cups turned upside down (laughs) with a with a gun on top. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's you. you, I always thought of them as like telephone booths, like Doctor Who telephone booths. You just get in there. (laughs) <laughs> and you also have the radar dish guns which i'm not such a fan of they look too sci-fi to me you know the styrofoam cups guns they they look good and they look practical and they look like they'll do yeah. anything but i don't we're coming on this uh, we're going to come on to this later on in 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 this episode but when the radar dish ones i don't know there's just something about them that's a bit too sci-fi for me Hmm. Yeah, and and you don't really see anything else like that in Star Wars. Every all the other guns are gun shaped. You've got uh, so, no, no. Haven't you got something like that in Phantom Menace? Though um, the um, uh, the gun guns don't they have some sort of a radar dish thing on the back of those animal things? It's a it's a shield generator. I think. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, just and remember- I guess I guess in Episode Two you see it. They're they're one of the one of the spider walking um, yeah, things he's of got, this. Yeah, he's got a, he's radar got a little radar dish, dish on top. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, all right. Oh, and, yeah, and, and on top. Yeah, there's, a, there's, a, I guess there, there are a couple in those films that use the radar dish as, as the weapon. Yeah, but not in the original trilogy. This is about the only time you see yeah. it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we also get a nice sense of menace here. You, you, you know, you've got John Williams's eerie music as the troops. You know, they're looking off. Uh, as you say, it's natural light, and they're looking towards that mountain range in the distance, and you've got like a fog or a mm-hmm. mist there. So you know something's coming. They're looking off into that mist, um, and it's all natural. You know that's naturally occurring. You know. Yeah, they were they were they were really fortunate to get those uh, natural natural happenings. Uh, yeah, because yeah. they are they could have added a million dollars onto the budget to create that in a in a in a lab somewhere. Yeah, yeah. We we next move to um, um, a segment that has already been covered on this show, which is the ion cannon. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is really going <laughs> to influence my rating for uh, this part of the um, 
uh, of the battle. What's your feelings on this whole sequence with the uh, Ion Cannon? I like it if you're passively just watching the film and not really paying attention, it works. But if you stop and you look at it, you can you can tell that it's a model. It there's there's something about it that that doesn't ring authentic. Mm-hmm. For but it's it's only if you're really paying attention. But if you're just enjoying the movie, it it goes right by and you don't think about it. But if you're actually looking at it, it sort of stands out as being. Uh, as being a, a, a miniature of some sort. Yeah. Uh, but it, it doesn't, it, but it, 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 it does not bother me one bit. It's just, it's just something that when you actually stop and you're being critical of something, yeah. that is something that you do notice. Yeah, sure. And also, I suppose you could see it as a bridging device because, you know, this is the uh, the first miniature, real miniature effect before you have the walkers and the snow speeders. So, you know, this is a nice little, you know, segue from all the live action we've been seeing into all the miniature work that's just about to unfold, you know. And honestly, in this in this whole sequence, in this how, how long is it? Three and a half minutes, three and a half minutes. Yeah, there are. Uh, very few effect shots in this opening sequence. I can only think of maybe like four, mm. maybe five actual special effect shots. Most of the other things are, uh, um, it's all character, set, isn't it? Set pieces and and yeah, and build up to the big effect sequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that that's fair enough. Um, and and talking about that, talking about you know the fact that uh, you know the sequence is mainly. Uh, um, characters talking um when we go up onto the star destroyer and we have the um you know the guy saying uh good our first catch of the day yes always whenever i watch that ever since it came out in 80 i always watch have you noticed the two guys to the right of the guy saying that that's sort of like talking there and they're just like gossiping <laughs> one guy's got his hand on his hip and the other guy is talking to him and i and they're just like chattering away and nattering you know it's a bit yeah, odd yeah like, i don't know if they're talking about the new t16 or yeah, what but you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah the t16s are going out of style yeah. yeah 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 uh but then we cut back to the surface uh, and we're in the hangar and it still looks great um and luke jumps into his uh snow speeder there uh with dak mm. and uh we get a bit of dialogue there um always I always think his uh, snow speeder, in the, the live-action snow speeder, is a completely different colour to all the snow speeders we see flying. All the snow speeders we see flying are a very light grey or a, or a white. This one is very very grubby, don't you think? Yeah. Uh, again, it's it's one of those things that you don't really notice until you actually are staring at it and being critical uh, of of the of the film and, and you know and critiquing it for it's merits Mm. merits and and demerits but again we weren't meant to scrutinize it you're you're, you're meant to go to the cinema maybe one two three times forget about it this is before video this is before anything you know um and i think it's a case as well of you you know they made the full-size uh uh props first they painted it a certain way when it's handed across to uh, industrial light and magic now you've got to do the miniature effects of this Mm -hmm. if they had filmed it that dark copying that color scheme exactly it wouldn't have shown up on film so much um so you need to uh, um either color it lighter or light it 
so it beca- uh, appears lighter, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the sm- snow speeder lifts up. Luke's snow speeder lifts up. Um, kind of obvious, again, now, looking back on it, that's like, you know, you just know it's jammed onto the end of a forklift <laughs> truck. Yeah. <you> know, <laughs> who's trundling away with it. But it doesn't matter. No, I mean, it's 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 got to go up and down somehow, and it's got to move left and right and forward and backward somehow. So, yeah, there's a couple that you can tell, yeah, they're, that they're on rollers yeah. uh, just going back and forth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we cut to outside uh, the old uh, chief there. He's got his macro binoculars out, and, um, and we get to see what he's looking at. And it's a POV of the feet of the walker. Um, then we get a bit of the leg and then we get the cockpit of the walker. Now this is where your sequence ends, Tim, but I just like to say what a fantastic way this is of introducing these craft. You don't get a dramatic reveal. You Mm -hmm. see it bit by bit through somebody's binoculars. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that, um, you can tell it's, it's way off at a distance, but, you can see the the scope and the in the scale of what you're looking at because even mm. at a distance you can't get the whole thing in mm. your binoculars. You have yeah. to like, oh, what what's this? And then you have to like pan up and like, oh my god. So yeah. even at you know five miles away or however far away they are, it still is like, my god, look how huge those things are. Yeah. It's just so cool. I mean, it's not an obvious way of doing it. And, you, you know, there's been a, a, a lot of thought given to this to actually introduce them um, in this, you, you know, unorthodox way. And I, I, I just love it. Yeah, they did. They did such a such a fantastic job with that that reveal. And I mean, the, the rest of the sequence is fantastic. But I can just imagine being seeing that for the first time being like oh my god what is that you know yeah. with, with actually absolutely no background like what is, what am i watching this is amazing did you have a background before you can you remember back to when you watched empire did you know what a walker looked like before you watched the film no no i mean I, when when that movie came out i was four years old so i was ah. uh i i re, i remember going to see it but i don't remember much of the emotion that I had, uh, right. I, I can I can remember bits and pieces of uh, of going to see the film, but I, yeah, I, I don't remember specifically what I was thinking at the time that events were happening on screen. Right, right. See, I did. You know, the, we're going back to a time when you know England was still way before behind America, you, you know, on film releases. And, you know, I'd bought up everything. I had the Marvel Comics adaptation, you mm-hmm. know, the, all, all the books and stuff. I'd <clears throat> gone up to a Forbidden Planet in London. This Talking um, about this now, you know, and thinking about what you guys have just been talking about on uh, Best of Fives, on the Neozo show Best of Fives about, yep. you know, uh, Star Wars, you know, encounters with celebrities. Yeah, yeah you know, to, to, to think back... I remember, you know, I went to Forbidden Planet in London because there was an Empire Strikes Back sign in there. This is the original Forbidden Planet that was in Denmark Street, okay. uh, which if you're a music fan, you'll know Denmark Street because that's where 
uh, all the music shops used to be in the 60s and 70s, you know. Oh, really? And it, yeah, yeah, it's where Jimi Hendrix used to go and buy his guitars, you know, Led Zeppelin or everything, you know. And um, I, and I just trundled along. There was no queue outside, maybe you know, like 10, 15 people. Yeah. Um, you go inside, there was Mark Hamill, there was Irving Kirshner, there was Peter Mayhew, uh gary kurtz i think was there anthony daniels and they were there you just turned up you just found something on the shelf i think for mark hamill i i, I got a star wars comic uh one of the marvel star wars star wars comics because i always remember he opened it up and the first panel is a carmine infantino page of the millennium falcon and he signed it and he and he drew an arrow and he said and i'm just about here and he drew an <laughs> arrow round to the cockpit you know oh, and neat. that was it you had to buy like a one pound comic and talk to luke skywalker and no no other expense whatsoever and now <laughs> you see the way things have become it's just another world now isn't it well yeah when it comes to the conventions the the I think I think that that they started to bring in film celebrities because comics and all that sort of stuff and and retro conventions they they sort of figured okay well these all blend in together before it used to be very purist hmm. uh, I mean if if you wanted to go meet Adam West and I, I know Adam West just passed no. away yesterday or the day before Man. if you wanted to go meet Adam West you had to go to in the United States you had to go to like a car show. Right. Uh, I, I I can I can recall going to the Philadelphia Boat Show, which was which is a big thing, <laughs> or uh, going there and you would walk around and you between the boats you would see actors from like soap operas and retired uh, sports athletes sitting around signing autographs at different they, the the different boat companies would hire these these actors to attract people to come to their booth. But why? So, <laughs> why? Why would they hire actors who've got nothing to do with boats? I don't know. I, I, I remember. <laughs> yeah, I remember going you know, meeting like Philadelphia. I guess. I guess the idea is they would be like, "Oh, at the Philadelphia Boat Show, come meet so and so from the Philadelphia Eagles," and uh, so they would. They would put. They would put sports and, and television and movie stars or movie actors, not necessarily stars, out there. So that they could promote it on the outside, so it, it would give someone a reason to go to the show. So, and like, oh, I can, meet, I, I can go meet Randall Cunningham of the Eagles. He was a a, a, a sports star here, and uh, you know, and you would go there, and and while you're walking around to try to find Randall Cunningham, you're looking at all these boats and thinking, you know what, I need a boat. <laughs> was that the planning? <laughs> well, I guess I guess it was partly it was partly to get someone to buy a boat. I think it was mostly to get someone to buy a ticket to get into yeah. the show. Is that where you met Adam West then? At one of those sort of things? No, no. Um, I met Adam West at a uh, at a. It was a toy convention. It wasn't even a comic convention. It was a show specifically for toys. Right. And th so those were before before they moved over into the comic convention world. There were these retro conventions that would have basically toys, and then. A few years after that, the comic convention started to pick up on that, so they started right. to get movie actors. Uh, okay. So this is this is all going into the the the, the latter part of the nineties. Okay. Uh, some of the some of the big sh the big big ones like San Diego and uh, would have would have movie uh, and actors and that's and personalities like that. But for the most part, the smaller conventions were very pure. So like, no, we 
you want to meet so and so from a movie, you 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 go find them. But we have the guy who created. We have Jerry Robinson over the guy who created the Joker. So that guy's right. Over. Right. It's it, it's just mad the way it's become now, and it's just so expensive, um, you yeah. know, to meet these people. Um, I mean, that is one of the benefits of uh, being in the five hundred one. Is you know, uh, you're there before you know the public come in, and you have the you, you know opportunity sometimes of actually you know. Um, sometimes even queuing up for a cup of coffee with, <laughs> with these people, you know, um, and there isn't this huge, massive expense, you know? Yeah. You can, you can have a personal experience with some of these, uh, some of these actors without having to pay. Yeah. Or it's without having to pay for that personal experience. Yeah. Pay for the personal experience. Yeah. That was something else <laughs> a few years ago. That was called something else. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've gone a bit off tangent yeah. there. Um, let's get back on. Um, okay, we're at the end. Um, you know, the walkers have been revealed through a POV. Um, so at the end of your segment, uh, Tim, I'd like a, a, a rating out of 10 for you. Um. I mean, this this definitely holds up in in the context of the film and the the technology that makes that made the film. It it definitely holds up. When I, I would think, if you're a younger viewer and you're watching this, yeah, it doesn't look as sleek as a lot of the films do today. But I think everything else that go that goes into it will suspend your disbelief. So I think out of ten. Um, I would probably give this an eight. Okay. Um, and, and, and there, and, and again, there, there aren't a whole lot of actual effect shots in this sequence. Um, so for the, for the entire scene, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking like the, the, the movement of the, the, uh, the ships and that kind of stuff where you can, where you can actually speculate though. This is probably how that was done. That's why I say it's not quite a ten, but it's 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 up there. It's it's pretty high. It's it's uh, it's uh, it's it's a, it's still a really well done sequence. And I know a lot of the other sequences, I probably would rate just a little bit higher. Yeah, but you were first out of the bag, so yeah. you get you, you you get the one with an awful lot of uh, exposition and not too much special effects. So sorry yeah. about that, Tim. <laughs> That's okay. But but the two the two the two shining sequences are. The the with the Star Destroyers right at the beginning mm. and the Walker legs right at the yeah. end. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, it, yeah. everything else is sandwiched in between those two fantastic shots. Yeah. Well, sandwiched between those two fantastic shots uh, is the Ion Cannon, which I, I ideally love, and because of that, I'm giving my rating <laughs> for this uh, three and a half minute uh, segment uh, a ten. You're giving a ten, okay? Yeah. So that gives it an average of a nine. Which is still pretty awesome. That's still an A. I don't know. I mean, I, as of recording this, I haven't spoken to the other guys, but I've got a feeling that uh, this is going to be a running theme. I think nines are going to be <laughs> <laughs> quite common all the way through. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, thanks for your time today, Tim. You're welcome. All right. And I'm going to hand you across to Dave, who's next up. So here we go with a clip from Dave. Echo Station 5-7, we're on our way. All right, boys, keep tight now. Luke, I have no approach vector. I'm not set. Steady, Dak. 
Attack pattern Delta. Go now. All right, coming in. Bobby, you still with me? Hello, Dave. Hello, Eric. Here we go, Dave. You are uh, you are second out the proverbial hat. Um, yeah. and it's gonna be it's gonna be really really rough following Tim <laughs> because like I'm I'm like I'm like your sloppy Tim seconds okay. is basically what's going on here, right? And he is or, a hard act to follow. He well in more ways than one and. <laughs> If if I'm thinking of this correctly, and I, I like the I like this uh, idea that you've come up with, it's very it's it's very cool. And if that's the case in the Star Wars and character human centipede that we're kind of forming here, I'm see I I, I don't I'd rather be the head I guess, but being second isn't as bad as being last. This is true. With, so I, I'm I'm okay, I guess, with my human centipede status, but it could be better, is what I'm trying to say. Well, thank you, Dave. I've got, I've got this mental image of my head now. You just said human centipede, and I've got this mental image now of you guys as the human centipede, with me sitting on top in a saddle with a cowboy hat on, <laughs> like like Deep Roy in Neverending Story, like the little snail rider there guy. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 swick centipede is a swick snail, basically. Nice. Have you ever considered doing the human centipede on Effectively Speaking? Um, if we're going to do that, that's going to be way down the line. <laughs> There's an awful lot of other subjects uh, to be covered. There are so many subjects that we haven't even touched yet. And, um, you know, and, and I find it very frustrating. There are some classic films out there and TV shows. And it's just not having the time to, uh, to uh, do it, you know. Okay, well, if you do, I'd like to throw my head into the ring and say that I'm more than happy to assist you on that episode. As long as you're head of the centipede. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's why you said it. Yeah, okay. All right, well, let's get into this. Um, so your, your your segment starts with this very, uh, I said with Tim, it's a very unorthodox way of introducing, you know, such an iconic piece of science fiction hardware that you see them through some binoculars, don't you? But it's cool because it still adds to the mystique, even though you're about to see them. It's still it's it's adding suspense. It's almost like in trailers where they you know, I remember when like Godzilla was re-released. They didn't want to show you Godzilla. Um, it's like in King Kong when he's coming and, you know, he's coming, but they still only show you glimpses of him. Um, the the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. Mm. I like and all that stuff together where it's still building suspense. You know something's about to happen. And the first shot that you see through those binoculars, which is an amazing effect, I'd like to say, those binocular shots that he does and Luke does earlier in the movie, um, that holds up today. They could use that in any movie today. That shot through that very cool binocular is 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 great. But you first see that foot and not knowing yet what you're dealing with to see a foot only. Yeah. It's very Jurassic park. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, I, I like the, uh, the glitchiness of the, of the actual visuals through the binoculars. And as you say, it still holds up at the side. You've got the red green up and down little piece of animation at the side, you know? Absolutely. It's not just the shot. It's the, it's the schematics or whatever is going on in the side. And, and they, they put a lot of, they put a lot of time just into the binocular shot. Mm. And they use it a couple of times. They, sh they, they should. It's great. Yeah, 
Yeah. We cut back to the trenches and you've got the the head guy there saying, um, you know, we've spotted Imperial walkers. Um, so that's the first time we really, um, you know, get an idea that there's something other than a whole bunch of stormtroopers coming towards them. Yes. And that shot from very far away. I mean, I know like usually when you do your show, you do like behind the scenes stuff at the end. And I know this is a little different. So I may ask you questions because I figure uh, you know way more about this than I do. The first shot that you actually see of the walkers, you still can barely see them. Yeah. It's a very long shot. Is that miniatures on and I, and I mean on a minuscule scale across a long plane of you know something they've set up in a, in a studio those are is that how they do that just to make the distance look more no the ones where you see them they're, they're effectively just blobs aren't they in the distance coming out the yes. mist no that's yes. animation that's not that's not stop motion animation that's like cell animation okay so I, I couldn't i couldn't tell that and it didn't it didn't make it better or worse it i just know it was effective because you still at this point haven't seen them hmm. even though you know these guys are running around like you know something bad's about to happen and they're they're bearing down you still don't know what's coming no which is great it's fantastic isn't it it's just just fantastic you know other films they wouldn't even think about doing this you would just it would just be there you know and uh here we go but you know to actually take the time to do this you know it's just brilliant yeah and and when you when you watch it now when like you you put yourself back in in 1980 and you're thinking then up until the 90s that these guys are surprised like this is the first time they're seeing anything like this and when they see this they're shocked but then you have to put it in perspective now with the prequels being made they've seen these before Mm. um with rogue one being made um you would assume that these rebels when they say imperial walkers like they call them that they Mm. must know what they are but but i never thought of it as as a as them ever having ever seen this before yeah, no, they don't. They know exactly what. They're, they're, there's no what the bloody hell is that? You know, it right. is. Oh, there's Imperial Walkers, and they are so cool. The, all the rebels, all the way through. There's no panic. There's no alarm. I'd be running in the opposite direction. You know, this guy. We have spotted Imperial Walkers. Right. Um. So they are. They are knowledgeable about it. You know. But I think you're right. I don't think they've ever encountered them. I mean, we're going. We're, we're going forward a bit in this segment but you know luke seems to be the first one to realize that the blasters don't affect them so they couldn't have ever encountered them before because it's like well what's the point of shooting at them then exactly so like there's some good things about the like i'll use rogue rogue one as an example because i know they're definitely in rogue one Mm. um that they they might know what they are now because they they've called them imperial walkers and stories have been passed down the line of these things existing but by the same token like you just said they don't know how to fight them or defend against them because the rebels are not as organized maybe Mm. um they're scattered and maybe they know about them but they don't have any kind of intel on them no uh this came up um in the tim segment is um i don't think they were actually expecting them because um you know they've got a trench system put in there they've dug a whole you know trench system there which of course is useless against walkers walkers will just step over the trenches so they obviously were putting trench systems in there to defend the base from a ground attack 
I mean, that's what Vader says. He said, prepare your troops for a ground assault, you know. Right. And if it had been just stormtroopers, then they might have had a bit of a struggle to overcome the rebels. But uh, sending in those walkers is a bit of a game changer, isn't it? Exactly. And we talked about this on Star Wars and Character, like the ship <laughs> that it must take to unload mm. those is is immense to the point where, uh, you know, would they have known that they were coming? They have some kind of... Uh, rudimentary tracking skills like they would have known a ship that size was coming and known wouldn't they that maybe something like that was on it Mm. and why and why park so far away (laughs) we're back to rogue one again aren't we back to rogue one (laughs) star wars star wars is basically a saga of people parking really too far away than they need to and and also i mean you go back to the very first one why do they stop just outside mos eisley and look down off that cliff and so Ben can say what a uh, hive of scum and villainy it is. Why do they stop? Is that a toilet break, do you think? Yeah, that seems really far out of the way. It is. So that why, cliff. Yeah. <laughs> we're going I, down there, but we're going to walk up here so we can look at it from up here. No, just go. How does the la- – do they drive off the edge of that cliff, do you reckon? And then you just plummet down, or is, is yeah. there a, a back way? I think they repel. <laughs> It's a cliffhanger all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, when you, I mean, we we kid because we care, and I'll do a lot of that throughout this episode as I do on stories and character. But that being said, this is all you know the stuff that dreams are made of. But it's fun to make fun of it. Yeah, of course, of course. Well, you can, you can, you you can take the Mickey out of the things you love, can't you? Well, if you couldn't, there would be no Neozets, so. <laughs> there you go. Okay, we cut inside the hangar, and you see all the pilots, they're getting into their snow speeders. Um, and I love the way they move forward. We've just seen in the last segment, you see Luke and uh, um, um, Dak, you know, taking off, and their snow speeder goes straight upwards um, on their repulsors, um, which you just know is some bod out of shot in a forklift lifting it up. But in this right. one, and I've seen photos of it, all the snow speeders, they don't lift up. They just move forward. And I've seen photos. I'll put it up on Facebook. You've just got these these grunts pulling a bloody great rope, <laughs> just pulling them along. They were obviously on little caster wheels, and they're being pulled along. That's it? It's a guy pulling a rope? Yeah, it's a couple of guys pulling it along, and they're on little, like, trolley wheels and <laughs> just being pulled along. That's funny. It's like those. Do you have these competitions uh, in in Britain where these big strong guys will try and pull an, an airplane or a yeah, trailer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they got those guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I was actually thinking and watching those hangar things where they're starting to move. I do appreciate that it's a practical effect and that it is actually moving, but the way it moves is kind of distracting to me. Mm. Um, and I, and I find like if I had to say things that are still holding up the things that I kind of find stupid and annoying. I think that the, the ships moving a little bit in those hangars mm. bothers me a little bit now. Mm. Mm. I, like, because it's obvious it's, it's very obvious now what I'm looking at because you can't see the, I think if you could see the entire thing moving, yeah, that would be okay. But I'm just seeing the nose of that thing moving and I'm not a stupid person. I know what's going on and it's kind of, it's kind of annoying. Yeah, but that's your maturity now. You're, you're you're an older person. The ten year old you watching that wouldn't be thinking about that whatsoever, would you? No, you're exactly right. The ten year old me wouldn't have. The ten year old me would have been the way most Star Wars fans are today that still love Star Wars. There wasn't a second in this movie that wasn't perfection. Mm. 
But that's what you do when you get older. You you scrutinize and you analyze, and and that's the fun thing about what we're doing. Mm. You're absolutely right. When I was ten, I wasn't thinking about stuff like that. But as a as a forty year old, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of uh, it, it it's kind of off putting. I don't know. Mm. Well, talking of perfection, uh, we we cut to outside, and and for me, this is the classic shot of the walkers um it's the only time we see them with that that uh glowing red cockpit window but they look just fantastic you know um they're like that the the lighting's brilliant it's got the red cockpit and and they look gorgeous if if i could select any frame from empire strikes back and have it converted into a poster this would be the shot out of all the whole film this is the one shot that i would choose i was thinking the same thing because that shot I mean, I try not to use the word iconic a whole lot because then I think it loses its meaning. Like, like I, think I, I, I say it too. But I don't like it when people say, oh, that's interesting. Well, everything's interesting. Hmm. There's got to be a better word. So I, don't, I try not to use the word iconic. There, there's no better thing to use the word iconic for than this because this is the thing that people remember from these movies. I had a lunchbox when I was in elementary school with this on it, it's an iconic will go down in history shot as something that, that you can associate with this and great filmmaking forever. Uh, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And how strange is this that, you know, we are talking, you know, so effusely uh, about how wonderful this shot is. And the person who did the shot is Phil Tippett who back in episode 24 was uh, we weren't uh, so, uh, um, 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 you know, generous of praise with for Robocop, were we? No, you know, it's it's it. I think it's good, though. Like, I mean, everything you said is right. But sometimes, I mean, I, I love baseball and sometimes Derek Jeter hit 300 and mm. some seasons he didn't. You know, everybody has has their highs and their lows. Yeah. And it just so happens for Mr. Tippett and anyone else in his case, the highs were so high that you become judged on it. Yeah. So, so it's not, it's not, I I mean, it's not his fault. He just happened to be involved in the greatest thing that was ever put on celluloid and then Robocop, like the man had to keep working. <laughs> like the the stop motion in this is so fluid. There must have been so many more articulations per second than in Robocop. Um, and it's shot like seven years earlier, earlier than Robocop. And it looks that much better. Yeah. So to me, that's not it's, it's not his technique. It's probably the things that we talked about on the Robocop episode, time and budget. Had yeah. he had the time. They 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 put such love and care into filming these scenes in Star Wars that I'm sure if he would have had the time in other movies as bad yeah. as RoboCop, yeah. he could have made it look like that. But he just didn't have the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, this scene that we're talking about, this shot, um, um, what I did, I, I, I've watched it on Blu-ray and I've got the original theatrical version um, on, on DVD and I, I ran it as well to see if there were any changes you know, other than uh, cleaning up and, you know, being HD. And, and this shot we're talking about, there is a change. It, on the Blu-ray, uh, you've got the, the three main walkers and then you've got a few more in the background. If you watch the original theatrical um, in the background, you've just got two walkers. And I remember when I used to watch this in the cinema, um, there are a couple of shots throughout this uh, Battle of Hoth sequence where if you look in the background, there are just walkers that are standing still. 
Really, I never noticed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now I think I think I think it's one of these rejigs um, that haven't really been you know talked about too much. But yeah, the the walkers in this one are now moving. They put more in and they are moving. Okay. See, I I never even noticed that. And how many did they add? Like, really, you don't. I'm surprised. Like, it, they they added all these stormtroopers to that famous scene where Han is chasing the stormtroopers mm. to make it funny when he gets there, mm. and, and then there's a million of them rather than six dudes. This to me, you don't need to add any more of these. These the 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 five that you have are menacing enough. Mm. To add more is kind of like overkill. Yeah, I I think they replaced the two stationary ones, and I think they added one, maybe two more. Not too many. I mean, it, it would ridic- look ridiculous if you had tons of the things. But yeah. uh, but but no, that that's one of the little tweaks I don't mind um, so much. But again, yeah, no, if if they're making the move, that's good. I just I honestly never even noticed that. I mean, I'm thinking of the five. Yeah, like the yeah. the the five that I'm always seeing. I never even noticed there was other ones. Yeah. Yeah, go back and have a look. Yeah, um, so yeah, we then cut to Luke saying that that, that they're on their way. Um, we discussed this in um, the asteroid sequence. In that, you know, the, the music plays a brilliant part in all this. You know, um, oh, yeah. really augments it and and um, adds to it. You know. Yeah, definitely. Although Luke, I mean, I'm I'm nitpicking again, just because I care. Um, <laughs> I, you know, he went from, uh, you know, like, I know there's some time in between Star Wars and and Empire Strikes Back, but uh, Luke has now become insanely bossy. Yeah. And it's a little annoying. And and, and I mean, not not that not that he shouldn't be in charge. Somebody has to be in charge. But it's the way he does it. He's very condescending. He's very dismissive, especially to Dak. Yeah. Who who he's going to get killed in a few minutes. Um, whether it's his fault or not, you know, whatever. Uh, every, he kind of shakes his head and he's just like, no, no, no. You know, like he's take it easy, buddy. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little down on Luke in this scene. I gotta say. Yeah. In this scene, when he's saying that they're on their way, that that's another tweak that they've done either for the special edition or the Blu-ray, uh, out of his cockpit window, they've added a ton more, um, snow speeders. Okay. Uh, and the, I must've, I think I watched the original theatrical release because, um, I didn't pop in any DVDs or Blu-rays. I watched it online. Right. There's a cool shot of him. You can kind of see out his left window. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, there's somebody next to him. And then they do, they even take the time to have the pilot. I'm sure it's, you know, it's a, it's a figure, uh, slowly turn its head. Yeah, it was motorized. Look. That head is actually motorized. Oh, cool. Um, it, they, they did the same in uh, late, later on in the film with the uh, Bespin, uh, those little orange ships. Yes, they, the that, cloud cars, that, yeah. Yeah, the cloud cars. The, the heads of the pilots in them were motorized as well. Okay. So that, yeah. So I was going to ask you about that. I love that. Uh, the head turning on the pilot is a bonus because they could have had it staring straight ahead and, and nobody would have thought anything of it because he needs to look where he's going, yeah. right? I mean, <laughs> the, these big friggin' metal dinosaurs are in front of him and he's going to look at them. Yeah. But no, they take the time to turn his head to look at Luke. Yeah. Um, those little things that they did make it a masterpiece. And, and the fact that it... I, I assume that it was something that they slowly did some stop motion and had him turn his head. The fact that they built a little motor in that little dude and had him turn his head to the right makes it even cooler. Those guys, those guys were writing 
the book mm-hmm. on how to make movies from from back then and and everything they did needs to be stood up and taken notice of and I know that it was I'm not saying anything that anybody hasn't said before but little things like that make it special mm. yeah absolutely um the whole th- thing is special I mean um we next cut to the 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 speeders they they skim down low and just again the same as the asteroid sequence i love the way that the camera follows them you're not you're not just filming a model go past the camera drops down low with them and and you know you get this sense of movement that effectively you're in a snow speeder following them you know absolutely the angles on some of the shots that they're getting are of such a high caliber they're the things that people would be doing today with just computers and CGI and this stuff, which was miniatures and models and tiny cameras on what, I don't know, cables or somebody just actually moving it on a dolly. Mm. They're rivaling things that people are getting out of computers today. Yeah. They could have done this very simply. They could have, they could have gotten a few shots, set the models up and people would have been thought it was great. But they didn't do that. They took the extra time. They they and I don't know if that's Lucas or the or the the effects team, but what who whomever took the time to get those things right, not only made something legendary, they made a pattern for some for for people to follow for decades. Mm-hmm. And you're right; those angles that you're getting are amazing. They're they're scraping it's like it's like you know they, they've had these shots in the last couple of the x-wings flying right over the water mm. um the last jedi trailer has these ships flying right over the ground they're recreating things with a computer that these guys did with actual wood and nuts and bolts and cameras yeah you know, decades and decades earlier it's love- really it's really to be to be admired i love the fact as well this whole segment we're talking about you know this whole battle everything that you see when you see the ground when you see the walkers they're basically on a tabletop okay that's how they did it if you imagine it's just a massive tabletop with the stop motion walkers on them and they had built trap doors in the uh ground uh the the uh the fake snow there uh, concealed trap doors so to animate uh the guy lifted up the trap door popped up moved the model put the trap door down and then cover the snow back over again okay you've got a, a, a big panoramic uh photo or painting of of the sky in the background all this was happening you know it, it it looks like it's on an ice planet but it's filmed you know in america in a warehouse you know on a tabletop yeah. which i love oh yeah it, it's it, well, I I would love to see, and I'm I don't I doubt there's any footage of this. I would love to see, because because this is a labor of love. It must be insanely frustrating, and insanely <sighs> maddening to film things like this. Even if you love it, it's mm. got to be at some point like you want to punch a hole in the wall. Like I just can't do this anymore. Yep. But I would love to see footage of the guys that actually did it, watching what it looks like for the first time. I want a, I want a mm. camera trained on their faces as they're watching the footage and getting to see what their time and effort and patience has created. I would love to see something like that because it would be just it would be it would be pure joy and pride. It would be amazing. 
because you 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 saying that i mean you say you and your son you used to do little stop motion things you know what it's like to film something and then go back to it and see it you know yeah yeah but to see something like that up on a whacking great big screen you know you know yeah it must have been so satisfying for them yeah it, and I, I i i can't even fathom the patience that it takes to do something like this um, and not cut corners. It would be so easy and so tempting to cut corners. And the discipline that either they had or Lucas had or the ILM team and, and whoever, you know, the people in charge and Tippett and all these people, the discipline that it takes to do it right is admirable. I don't, I don't have it. Um, I know it's something that they love and I know it was their job, but they're not doing it like it was their job. They're doing it because they know it's, it's something special. Yeah. Absolutely. And it shows it's all up there on screen. Um, um, The next bit we're coming up to, we've got Luke being a bit snotty, um, you know, when uh, Dax says that he's got no approach vector, he's not set. And he's just like, well, hang on. (laughs) Yeah, Luke is such a jerk. (laughs) Yeah, he is not he is not the kind he's not the kind of leader that inspires me to want to do better. Like mm. to me, like those guys, of course, this is all like me reconning this in my head. Those guys are going to do well in spite of him, mm. not not because of him. Mm. Yeah, He's just a little know-it-all in there. It's like, you know, Wedge has been around longer than you. Yeah. I know yeah. you got special powers and all, but take it. Take a break, buddy. <laughs> right. We, we, we get more you know brilliant model work they they fly between the legs of the of the walker we get a fantastic three shot of the walkers and all, all the troops are firing um um and then we get this is the only thing um really it's not that i've got a problem the only thing that i'm not that keen on is you get a close-up of the walker head firing with the like the chin guns firing yeah and that kind of takes me out because it, it's obvious it's a it, it's a much larger scale close up model of the of the walkhead and there's just something about it it doesn't it, it looks rather beefy compared to the the heads you see on the regular walkers. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about because you're used to seeing them in that one way, and now I'm getting this strange kind of like uh, unnecessary shot of that thing straight up. It's not moving the same way. No. Like you don't see the heads on the stop motion ones moving the way that big close up one. You know they built a big one and they wanted a shot of it. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's not necessary. You really, you don't you don't need it. And it's followed by, and this happens a lot. And we talked about this, I think, on the uh, asteroid uh, scene that I did earlier with you. The blasts from these things ex- stopping and exploding in midair mm. st- still bothers me in these movies because it's energy and it would it would keep going on forever or it would just kind of like dissipate. Yeah. It wouldn't explode. There are times that the things are shooting, it's hitting nothing and, it, and a burst of energy like like it has hit something happens. Um, I think if, if, you know, I'm sure they're going to do some other special 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 edition of these that those blasts could be taken out for me mm, yeah because every time they happen they do like i'm watching and i'm into it and my heart's racing a little and then that happens i'm like ah shit <laughs> but that's not what the 10 year old you was thinking no exactly yeah yeah okay right we, we, we get some nice shots 
really down low looking up at the walkers. They're all terrific as well. Um, the only thing I'd like to uh, say, um, in some of these shots, the walkers, the lighting keeps changing on the walkers. In some of them, when you've got a, like, like a wide shot and you can see the mountains in the distance in the sky, it's lit a certain way. There is one shot where it looks like they're almost in daylight. Uh, the lighting is completely different. Okay. I didn't notice that. You think that was like a different day? Somebody just lit the... I don't know, but it actually does look like it's in daylight. Maybe they thought, oh, we need a couple more shots. Oh, crap, we haven't got the the studio time to do it. Let's just take it out and set it up on a trestle table and point it up at the sky. I don't know. But in a couple of places, the lighting is radically different on those walkers. So you think in those it's actually natural sunlight? Yeah. Okay. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if I can find a screenshot of it, I'll, I'll put it up on Facebook and uh, to illustrate what I'm talking about. Uh, well, they get, there's probably there's people that can find an explanation for everything. They might think that it was cloudy, and when the actual sunlight is coming through, that's the. I mean, is there? A, there must be a sun to Hoth, otherwise, yeah. you know, there'd be no light. But now we're getting into like <laughs> ast astrophysics, and we you know, are. We don't need to get into that. Yeah, that that ruins everything because there would be no light on anything when they're having some of these. Yeah. Because there's no sun. You don't see a sun at any of these planets. You never, well, apart from tattooing, that's the only time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So forget that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, we go in and we see Veers, and he's going about. You know, uh, yes, Lord Vader, you may start your landing. Um, with Vader on his little hologram thing, which you discussed not too long ago on Star Wars in character. Um, yeah, um, and now seeing it for this, that actually I think is a bad shot hmm. because it looks like what they've done. I don't know how they filmed it. But there is a definite cutout of what the shape of Darth Vader is supposed to be. Right. And it doesn't quite match the holograph that's coming through. You can see part of his helmet is cut off. It's a little too curved. Um, that, that, shot, that shot took me out of it, too. That most probably is the mat. Um not Matt from Nia's as um, mm -hmm. it's the Matt that they would have put in on the live action footage, the it, basically a shadow of Darth Vader. And then they would have like put the, the, the filmed footage on the top and the two aren't quite matching up. That's most probably what's going on there. Exactly. It's the, it's the cutout Matt. It's um, there's a word for something like that. It, it's like, you know, like, like the cut, almost like a cookie cutter kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that doesn't match the the light that's coming out because if especially on his helmet, I don't notice it necessarily on the rest of him, but his helmet is being blocked by this cutout mm. mat that they've mm. done, and I I think I actually have almost always noticed that even when I was little. Mm. And I don't care. It's not like I'm I'm saying it's a bad movie because of it, but that does it does take me out of it for a second because. Mm. Because Glo Julian Glover is so cool mm. in those scenes, and he's he's we talk about him a lot on Star Wars a character, and there isn't a bad thing that really anybody says about him, and and he won our very first uh, Star Wars Obscure Face Off game show contest at Star Wars Celebration because people love him. He's the only mm. Imperial officer that really ever wins a battle. Yeah, yeah, and. That and then there's that flash of that hologram and I'm like, damn it, that just doesn't look right. <laughs> you know, the first time you see Veers there and he's standing there quite, you know, you know, uh, imperiously standing there, you know, um, whenever I see that shot, I, 
I, I'm I'm so relieved. There was years and years and years ago. Um, I when Empire Strikes Back came out, I bought a Don Post uh, Darth Vader mask. Okay, mm-hmm. I still got it, and uh, luckily because at some point, I, I guess I don't know, in the late eighties, early nineties, it's a two. Have you ever seen one? It's like a two-part helmet. You know, you've got the the dome bit, and then. Uh, yeah. the face bit yeah yeah i have one too yeah ah right cool i was going to actually cut mine up i was going to get the the dome bit and like cut the peak bit off at the front and put some blobs on because i wanted to make uh Viers's helmet <laughs> see you would do that you like you're a model maker and you like stuff like that. i like converting things and yeah an original dom post <laughs> Darth Vader mask from 1980 and i damn near cut it up and sprayed it green and i'm so glad i didn't you know? well you'll have to do get another you know much more contemporary version and do that because i never i never really thought about his helmet looking like vader's helmet it really mm. does it does it does hmm. yeah um, they're, they're in the um, the art of um, Force Awakens, there were all these like concept arts for Kylo Ren, um, and there was some idea that the helmet he wore in that would be a variation of Darth Vader, and and the the idea was that being a, a Lord of the Sith, there was a design element that could follow through so you had like these variations on vader's helmet and some of them were really really nifty and i have thought about maybe going out onto ebay and finding a cheap knockoff you know darth vader toy helmet or something there's a decent size and cutting it up and turning it into you know an alternative version vader sith sort of thing so i might do that one day i think you should yeah no i think that would be good fun and I say that knowing that it'll cost me no money or you make me uh, spend any time on it. But, yeah, you should do that because <laughs> right, okay. I want to I see it. I want you to do all the work and spend all the money, and I want to see it, so do it. All right. Fair, uh, yes, Governor. All <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, and then we got, hey, we've got old Wedge appears. Good old Wedge. Wedge, dubbed Wedge. Dubbed Wedge, yeah. And we have the whole cable thing, uh, which is uh, – just brilliant. I, I, I love this bit. I, I, I love it dearly. All right. Well, this is where we're going to have a debate then, I guess. Go on then. Because What's your the, problem? The, I, 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 anybody who listens to our show knows that I got a lot of problems right. with things. Um, the harpoon and tow cable thing, I don't get at all. I mean, I understand the concept, but thinking about it and I, you're like you said I didn't think about this when I was little but thinking about it now I analyze things because I'm a dork mm-hmm. first of all why do those ships even have those it's because they, it's a harpoon and tow cable and I take it that the the primary reason you have snow speeders isn't defense but it's for hauling goods around and making the base so you actually you you it's for pulling stuff along really you you it it becomes a tow truck if you like okay so are the is that the first time in at least what we have now of star wars that these ships are seen ever at all they're not in any of these prequels or rogue one or anything like that you never see anything like this no no uh, so you're saying these ships and we we haven't done a show on them, have we? Yeah, you did. Yeah, no, did there we? was talk about that they were adapted from something else and turned into fighters. Okay. They didn't start as fighters. All right, now that you say that, that is coming back to me. Um, because 
the fact that these have these at all. Okay, you, you've answered that question. Mm-hmm. Now I'm thinking about the the tension that would be required and the thickness of that wire that would need to have uh, been in place because it would be immeasurable mm-hmm. that these that this wire. I mean, it would have to be so thick. It would have to be like several several centimeters thick, and it's not. Yes, but it's it. Yeah, it would be several centimeters thick if it was on Earth. But, you know, this is a galaxy far, far away. Metals could be a lot tougher, you know? That's, that's true. They could they have a different periodic table of elements than we do, I'm sure. Yeah, it's like in uh, Superman 4 where Lex Luthor gets one of Superman's hairs and it's holding up that bloody great weight in a museum, just one hair. You know, it's just super tough. All right, so are you saying that it's possible that the tow cable on the snow speeder is made from Superman's hair. Mm-hmm. Could be. Okay. The, I'll buy the, nec- the next planet along could be Krypton. <laughs> that would that would just blow everybody's mind. <laughs> Krypton is just a hop, skip, and a jump from Hoth. They kind of look the same. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe on the other side of the planet you've got something like Jorel's uh Oh no, the 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 Krypton City from the first Superman, or you know, with all the ice spires, something the like the Fortress of Solitude there. The the city of Kandor. Kandor, there you go. Yeah, I love this. This is like better. This just cancel your show and start writing this script. <laughs> that Krypton and Hoth were neighboring planets. They probably had like a rivalry. It was like their big high school football rivalry. You know, Krypton versus Hoth. I like the idea more that the rebels arrive at Hoth, and if they'd only just gone round to the other side of the planet, that's where all the Kryptonians are, and they could have had the Kryptonians help them. They could, yeah. and, Chance- and Chancellor Valorum would have been there. There you go. There you go. They could have kneeled before Chancellor Valorum. <laughs> or slept. <laughs> it's all coming together. All right, so you've answered my question again. I like your explanations. You're you're much better at the explanations than the the co-host of Star Wars and character. I'm just because I always pose these questions. Matt's pretty good. Tim thinks he's good, and Chris doesn't care. So that sums them up, doesn't it? Yeah, that's our that's our show, and I and I'm the naysayer. So we got it all taken care of. So they have the harpoons and tow cables because that's not even the ships are meant to be work ships. Yes, the tension and thickness on that cord I can't even comment on because it might be an element that we are totally unaware of. Yep. Okay. My third problem is that tiny, tiny little plug that it's held into the back of the ship with, which it's pulling and pulling. It's going to pull over this dinosaur and the, you know, they, they detach cable and it just goes, <laughs> that thing is holding on. And the only thing that stops it from ripping out to trip this dinosaur is this little tiny cork. That is a very good point. I'll give you that one, Dave. Yeah, that makes no sense. <laughs> okay. And like I said, I kid because I care. I think this is freaking awesome. But when you sit and watch this now, yeah, you take the piss out of it. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm thinking more and more that's made out of Superman hair because uh, Jansen, every time you see him as it's going around and around, he's smiling all the way through. He's got a smile on his face, so he knows it's going to work because he's got Superman hair. He, he does. That is a smiley dude. Everybody he, else he's is really frantic. enjoying himself, isn't he? <laughs> Luke, Luke is frantic. Wedge looks tense. Dak looks dead. And Jensen, Jensen. <laughs> they never show Hobby, do they? 
Uh, no. I wonder what he's doing. And and <laughs> Zev Zaneska. Yeah. Like, all these guys, like, I like they have their own little personalities. Luke's by far the worst, but... I, yeah. What you, I might be wrong about Jensen. It might not be that he's supremely confident in the cable. He could be drunk. He could be, you know, just so, you know, scared that he and he's an alcoholic. And, uh, you know, he's uh, he could just be plastered. That's why he's smiling so much. I like this idea better, too. He's off his face. And to bring it back to the Superman Empire Strikes Back thing, you got Major Derlin. Yeah. He's in the base. He's in Superman 1 and 2. So I think there's a connection there. Um, I'm just an, as in a little aside, we're not going to go all over it again because we went, went through it in the first segment. But uh, he's in 40 Towers as well. Is he? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's in Waldorf Salad. Okay, I'll have to go back and watch that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I um, think that the cable's made from Major Derlin's mustache hair combined with Superman's hair. Oh, Major Derlin. No, I'm wrong one. I was thinking of Rykin. It's Rykin who's in 40 Towers. Apologies. Oh, okay. You're talking about Cliff Clavin, aren't you? I'm talking about Ratzenberger, yeah. Yeah, no, sorry. R- wrong general. Sorry about that. <laughs> Um, I, I, I just want to rewind a, a, a couple of minutes. Um, when Dak dies, yeah, right. Th- that's the problem I've got with when Dak dies. That is clearly the sound of a fire extinguisher going off. <laughs> it is a, yeah. it is, it, and it, it looks like a fire extinguisher. Some so, again, you've got some guy just out of shot, crouched down with a fire extinguisher, you know, firing it at the poor guy. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And Luke doesn't care. <laughs> you think he even bats on it? He goes, Dak, Dak. And he looks back and he's like, ah, screw it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, let's go forward back again. The the um, the walker, it falls. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, th- it, again, it's not a problem, but it is a slight, oh, is that um, it, it falls in re- real time, doesn't it? It's not stop motion. This is a, a, a large scale walker, which they allowed to topple yeah yeah it does it the it does look different um it doesn't bother me as much as the close-up headshot that you're talking about before though mm. no no i haven't got a problem with it and also immediately afterwards you have the uh the blowing up of it yeah and i know a lot of people have a problem with that that you know like it was too strong the armor's too strong for blasters but yet if we shoot it on the top of the neck, it blows up. So why don't you just fly up and shoot it on the top of the neck to begin with? But I don't know. I, I, I don't have a problem with that. Like maybe it's maybe it's been disabled somehow because of the crash, and now yeah. they can blow it up. I people people I have heard people, you know, take the wind out of that, and and I'm 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 okay with it. No, I haven't got a problem with it at all. Not at all. And what you were saying earlier about, you know, it's all physical with nuts and bolts. There, when that explosion happens, there's real chunks of debris falling down into that snow, isn't there? You know. Yeah, definitely. I was going to ask you about the snow too. Is that baking soda? It's baking soda. Now, what is it? I should have researched it for it. I'll, I'll put it on Facebook when I find it. It's baking soda. I think there's like glass beads in there as well to give it like a sparkly effect. Okay. Salt maybe as well. I right. can't remember quite, but uh, I'll look it up and put it up. The way the way those like you said, the debris, it's great. It's a great shot. And the debris flies. And when it hits the snow, it really it's a very powdery substance and it kind of puffs up and it just reminds yeah. me of flour or baking soda. Yeah, but it looks great. It looks fantastic. Oh, yeah. 
So we're almost at the end of the sequence. We're just coming up to the line of, I don't think we can transport, uh, uh, protect two transports. That's the cutoff point for your uh, sequence, Dave. But just one thing I'd like to mention um, is when you see Wedge at the end of this sequence and you see Luke as well, uh, they're nice big hero shots of the two. Um, I find it hilarious. Have you ever noticed that their, their seat belts, their harnesses, uh, have got bubble wrap on them? No. <laughs> have a look. Have a, have a look. They're, they're, on each uh, like seatbelt strap, which comes down from their shoulders, they have rectangular strips of bubble wrap. It's just actual bubble wrap, like the kind that you pop? Yep, it is real, real bubble wrap. No, I never noticed that. Go I've and have the, a look. Put your Blu-ray on and have a look. All right, I will. I've seen this a hundred times. I've never noticed that. Yeah, I, I never noticed it in the cinema. I never noticed it um, um, on on video. It wasn't until I got DVD and now Blu-ray when you're seeing it in much uh, better clarity. Um, yeah, that, that, that two strips of bubble wrap. That's hilarious. The, and this whole scene, I, I love Wedge. Um, he's one of my very, very favorite characters. And this is the thing that really kind of solidifies him as, like you called him, a a hero of mm. the rebellion. Um, you couple this with what he'll do in Return of the Jedi, and this sets him apart from every other one of these guys, whether he's dubbed or not. Mm. Um, I I think that this is this is one of the thing other things that I love about this scene is how much I like that character, even though. He really doesn't do too much. I mean, but he just he just is there, and he's like he's like a steady point. Uh, and, and and I love the way they use him as a somebody in this scene because Star Wars has its main characters, and thankfully for Star Wars and character, there's a lot of nobodies or a lot of you know just random people, and they make him into a somebody in this movie. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, now he's a cool dude. Okay, all right. Um, let's go on to the rating then. Alrighty. What do you think? Now, out of ten, for my how long is that sequence? About two and a half uh, minutes. Your your segment was three and a half minutes. Three and a half minutes. Okay. Yeah. For my three and a half minutes out of ten, I mean, I nitpicked obviously over a few little things here, but. When I, I mean, I'm not a person that really, like, I'm, I'm happy to be on your show and I like listening to this stuff, but I do not really focus on special effects. When you get a Blu-ray or a DVD of something and it's always like the behind the scenes of how they made this or the special effects, if somebody tells me, I'm, I'm happy to hear it, but I don't seek it out. Hmm. So if there are special effects in here that I was making fun of or anything like that, um, that's not going to detract from the scene because the special effects that are in this scene that make this as great as it is far outweigh that. Mm. This is one of the most, I'll use the word again, iconic scenes in movie history. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Star Wars fan. You could you could show this to people worldwide, and they're going to know what it is. Yeah. Um, so because of the, uh, the, the role that the effects play in this scene um, – you know, we talked about all the other things that make it great, the music and, and the the tone that is set. Um, I, I can't see giving this any less than a nine and a half. How about that? Because, I mean, maybe those, those little things here and there, you know, I'll take a half off. I'm just kind of making fun of the tow cable 
thing. Um, but I'll say, oh, I can't do halves, can I? Yeah, you can do anything you want. Oh, I thought you told me before I couldn't do half. All no, right, then, no, no, I weren't me. Then I'm going to do this. I'm going to do a nine. This is this is going to cause you to do math. I apologize. Nine point nine. Nine point nine. point nine. This is about as close to perfect as you can get. Um, and I think I gave the asteroid chase a ten mm-hmm. because that is to me just slightly better than this. There's a little few things that that you can nitpick, and I don't remember nitpicking anything other than the blast exploding in space on the asteroid uh, chase. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say 9.9. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, you did give me maths, but luckily I, 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 I've I come armed with a calculator. Okay. And I've been busy tapping away as you uh, as you was talking there. I'm, I'm giving it a straightforward 9. Okay. okay? Uh, it's not a 10, but it's a 9. Um, I love it. I, there's a couple of issues with, as I say, the close-up of the head and uh, the lighting changes a couple of places, but it's just the roller coaster literal roller coaster of a of a ride this three and a half minutes so i'm giving it a nine which uh equates to a 9.45 that's a that's a good score it's a good score and um when we did the asteroid scene uh, we had an average of 9.65 okay so it's it's only 0.2 of a uh point behind the asteroid scene which is fair enough isn't it yeah i like the way that works out then because they're both they're both amazing the asteroid to me is slightly better, so the the scores equate their place, I believe. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, that's it. Okay, well, thank you for your time today, Dave. Okay, thank you. Who's after me again, Chris? Uh, it's Chris. Oh, okay. God. You, so- <laughs> you, went, you went from Tim to me to Chris. You got your hands full. Yep. Because, <laughs> because he'll say, is your show explicitly rated um not yet <laughs> <laughs> well it will be i mean i i slightly touched on the human centipede factor but if you mention that to him your show's over it's 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 total <laughs> explicit from from now on I, and i wonder how he feels following me you'll have to ask him about that okay because i right. believe i mean i'm not trying to be a jerk or anything but i, I believe I've, I've set the bar pretty high Okay, right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I'm, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but uh, he's got big shoes to fill. I'll, I'll just say that. All right, everyone. With that said, here's Chris. Rogue Two, are you all right? Yeah. I'm with your room leader. We'll set harpoon. I'll cover for you. Coming around. Watch that crossfire, boys. Set for position three. Steady. Stay tight and low. This is it. Ow! Bobby! I've been hit! Hello, Chris. Hello, Eric. You okay? I am terrific. Good. Ready to talk Battle of Hoth? I've I've never seen this scene, but okay. <laughs> You've heard good things, yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, your your, your segment actually um, doesn't have as many effects as uh, some of the other um, ones. There's more um, uh, characters in your uh, segment than special effects. Okay. Okay. 
And we're starting your uh, your clip starts with um, Han and Chewie. They're on top of the old falcon there. And you've got that whole, you know, no, no, no. This one goes there. That one goes there. Line. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I, I really like I you probably know this. Was it just a piece of the falcon they were standing on top of? No, that was the whole falcon. The um, whole entire thing? Yeah. When they made the first Star Wars, um, you know, they only did one side of it. Uh, they only filmed it from one side, so they only made one side, uh, which isn't an unusual thing in special effects, especially miniature work. When you're making a, a, a spaceship or whatever, uh, they did this with uh, the Nostromo in Alien um, because it was only going to be photographed from one side. They only really, really detailed one side of it. The other side was relatively unfinished, you know. Well, OK. So in this case, um, yeah, they only built, um, you know, the boarding ramp side of the Millennium Falcon. Um, but, okay. but here in Empire Strikes Back, as you can see here, um, it's the bona fide um, actual uh, Millennium Falcon. Um, and it was built actually um, um, in England, in Wales, in England, in Wales. OK, there was a shipyard in Wales that actually built the Millennium Falcon. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, they made it, you know, they made it uh, basically like a Lego kit, I guess. You know, they made it in sections which were then shipped down the motorway. Uh, to Elstree, and then it was uh, assembled there. That's that's cool. Now, I would love to be a guy, you know, who's a, who's a Star Wars fan in Wales, working in this shipyard, and you're just repairing the old boat and stuff like that, and it's like your governor comes in one day, and it's like, oh, we got a, we got a new job starting Monday, and it's like, oh, what's that? Oh, you're building the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a dream, and I would definitely... I would build some stuff and I would probably take a few things. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was coming up to that because, you know, um, it's documented that it was made by this uh, company in Wales. But it looks like at the end of filming, it was just struck. It was just, um, you know, broken up and thrown away. Oh, isn't that just heartbreaking? But um, this has come up on the show before. But that that's the necessity of filmmaking. You know, that that soundstage was being used for something else. You had to clear it quick. Um, yeah. and I, I think it actually it might have been the Dagobah set. You know, they had to clear everything out and get ready. So you didn't have time. You didn't have the luxury. Now, maybe the odd person nicked a bit here and nicked a bit there. You know, I would <laughs> oh, have had yeah. any. I would have had any of it. You know, just, just I would have taken a, a, a little bolt. Exactly, a nut and bolt, a screw, a little washer, something. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially where these two are right now. You know, they're, they're in those little pit things that are on top of the Millennium Falcon. These little engine uh, sections, aren't they? You know, just anything yeah. off of that. You know. I, I mean, and it, it's, and if the Falcon, okay, it's it's not real, obviously. But the Falcon was real. Just imagine like all the the nuts and bolts and pieces that go into it, and how Han had to know every little detail <laughs> of his ship. Yeah, he he. Well, you think so? I mean, he says no, no, no. This one goes here. That one goes there. How do you know he's telling the truth? He he he, he could be you know <laughs> just talking rubbish. <laughs> True. He's, he's he's making himself seem smarter than Chewbacca. Yeah, maybe. yeah. I mean, what bit are they fixing? That might have been the, um, you, you know, the hyperdrive motivator or whatever C-3PO calls it. That could be the bit that's actually uh, broken, you know. It could yeah. be that Chewbacca broke it because that bit didn't go there. It did go over there to begin with, and Han Solo actually cocked it up. You never know. <laughs> I like that theory now. There you go. <laughs> All right. So as they're doing that um, down on the ground, I, I always like, I, I, I like when you see extras just like, 
coming into a scene and you've just got a whole bunch of troopers. Um, they just run past um, yeah. down on the ground there. Uh, not too long ago, you guys on Star Wars in character were talking about Treat Williams. You know, yes. And uh, he was famously photographed with Carrie Fisher on set in a, a, a rebel costume. I, I was thinking, right. looking at, uh, at that, maybe he's one of them. Maybe he's one of that group that are just running past, you know? See, I, I think he was somewhere in the movie. Like, why would you really dress up and put all that on you mm. and not film a scene somewhere in the movie? Plus, you're an actor. Plus, you're an actor with a sense of humor. You, you're not going to go to all that trouble and then just take it back off again. Not just for exactly. a photo op. You know, if they are filming right. that day, you would get in there somewhere, wouldn't you? you? And you're right. And the only scene to do is run past the screen somewhere, and that's it. Yep. I reckon so he's in there. Scene. I reckon yeah, he's okay. in there. Okay. Okay. We, uh, we, we go over to uh, Luke's X-Wing, and you get R2. He's getting loaded up into, into the X-Wing. I've never liked... When you see him and he's being put in and C-3PO saying, oh, do take care, um, I've yeah. never liked the wall. You've got the guy up on there, and he's, like, taking that, you know, hoover bit off, you know, that suction thing that they use to put in. I, I did recognize that, and it did look just like... It wasn't even on him. Like the way the camera panned, mm. he just took it off, so it wasn't really suction to him. Yeah, and he helped it go up. He like was pushing it up, I guess, yeah. off the off camera. It's better than the one in the first Star Wars. The one in the first Star Wars looks like it's a painted paper plate or something. This one actually has got a <laughs> bit more to it. But yeah, yeah. that's not yeah. too convincing. But I tell you what isn't convincing, and it always throws me is in the background. You've got the wall there of the you know the hangar. And yeah. yeah, I'm sure it's carved plaster or polystyrene meant to represent, you know, frozen ice. But it looks like cheap wallpaper or an old curtain or something like that to me. It did, yeah, I've seen better. It didn't really look, and it was really dark, so you couldn't really make it out. Like what it really looked like. Mm, yeah, but I guess they're thinking nobody's looking at the wall. They're looking at R2D2, of course. Right. You know, nobody ever thought that you know these films would be scrutinized and. Back then, the only way that you could watch this was to go to the cinema, and films had a limited shelf life in cinemas. Right. So you see it once and you forget it, you know? Very true. Very yeah. True. All right, so we go outside, and here we go. You've got your uh, first special effects uh, moments, and we get these fantastic aerial shots as we're following the snow speeders. Uh, they're flying over the walkers, and then they're going up and down, and the camera's following them, which looks absolutely brilliant. Well, what boggles your mind is is your it's 2017 now, and you and you know 1980, 79, whatever. Like this is filmed back then, and look at it; it's it looks amazing. It holds up now, doesn't it? It totally yes. holds up. If it you totally were going to make does. that scene now with CGI, I don't see how you could better it. You know, the camera would be doing exactly that that same sort of move, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It it, it boggles your mind how they film stuff back then. And today's time, it still looks perfect, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and again, we're getting what we had earlier in 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 the battle is the cameras down very low and looking up at the walkers to actually signify, you know, the height of them. Even though they're only like a foot tall, you know, yeah. um, the, the the camera work is excellent in this. It's terrific, and yes, yeah, so you you can tell what's a, what's a little toy and what's a model and what's what's real kind of thing. You know, I mean, you can tell. But it's still it's still awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I again, you know, I used to go in and stand at the side of the auditorium and watch this sequence. Um, and 
we've got the little two-legged scout walker makes an appearance yeah. now. But for some yeah. reason, every time I used to go into the auditorium, the audience always used to laugh when they saw that. I always remember that. They always laughed at the two-legged. It well, looks kind of cute. It looks like, like I think, I, I'll be honest here, I think the first time I saw that as a kid, I guess, I maybe I think I thought that was half of an AT-AT. Like it was the, the, the front part of it. Like walking away or something. I was a kid. I don't know. Didn't you, didn't you say that when you did the yeah. episode on the walkers about maybe the head had detached? And it yeah. Away. <laughs> I don't know why. Just like I thought Jabba ate a frog. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like you say, you're a kid. I, th- yeah. I, I think what it is, I mean, num- number one, you don't expect it. But it's it's got far more of a jerkiness to it because it's moving yeah, a bit yeah. faster than the regular yes. walkers. And it was called a chicken walker, wasn't it, during production? Yeah. It was called a chicken walker. And it does have a bit of a strut to it. So maybe that's what people were just uh, – it was unexpected. And, you yes. know, it is kind of like strutting a bit, I suppose. Because is that the only one scene in Empire? No, you, see, you, you we'll come ag- across him again in a minute okay. when uh, Luke's jumped down off of the walker. Uh, you only see it twice in the whole film. Oh. Okay. Um, but I was going to say that during this bit, uh, that that bit. But this is what I like about this film is it wasn't necessary to put a two-legged walker in. That that that, that didn't help the plot in any way. You didn't need right. to design that. You didn't need to build that. You didn't need to animate it. It didn't further the story in any way whatsoever. So there was no reason. But they still did, and that just shows you how creative and how imaginative uh, these guys were. Yeah, they they just wanted to they to they catch your eye. Like, whoa, what was that? And yeah. it's gone. Yeah, you know? yeah, Because yeah. all the, of course, all these guys, Dennis Muir and Phil Tippett, all these guys involved. You know, they they were science fiction fans themselves. Yeah. And so you know they've they, they've got a natural inclination to uh, imagination, and I guess Absolutely. you know they were putting up on screen the things that they were wanted to see. You know, <laughs> right, right. And that's where George Lucas he was so lucky that he had involved all these people who were like-minded like him and they all you know just combined to just build and build and build and build as i say that wasn't necessary but it's like it it it's understandable when you've got such a creative team that they would come up with notions like this you know absolutely and it makes you wonder like why do they call that one the atst and the other one the atat like who thought of it? Well, it's a chicken walker. How many ATSD? Like, you know, who thinks of these names, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't care. They just look cool. That's all I, <laughs> I need to know. Yeah. Very true. Very true. All right. So Luke, Luke calls across. He's still in his snow speeder and he calls across to Rogue Two, um, which is very unusual when you see him. Um, he's got blood on him, hasn't he, Rogue yeah, Two? Yeah, out of his nose. I, I saw that. I don't know how he uh, got blood on his nose. You know, maybe it's the high altitude and he gets the bloody nose on him when he, when he gets up pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was talking to Dave in Dave's segment about um, uh, Jensen, you know, the guy who fires the tow cable when he's yeah. doing when he's doing that. He's smiling an awful lot while he's doing it. And I, I thought maybe, you know, he was drunk um, because he was just so nervous about the battle. So he actually got him drunk. And you never know. Maybe this is Rogue Two is drunk. And he kind of like, hit, his, hit his nose on the canopy as he was getting in the snow speeder. You never know. Did, did you notice? I actually was watching when they were all loading into their um, snow speeders. You really never see one of the canopies shut. You see him. Cl- it's, it's closing. Mm-hmm. And the next one appears. That yeah. one's closing. You never see him come down and seal and lock up. Maybe they can't. You know, that's why they cut away. <laughs> yeah, quick. right. It's just, but it's just unusual to actually see real blood in Star Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, can you think of another time? I, I, I know people on Facebook. The only one I go, can think is 
his walrus man's arm had some oh blood. of course it did yes yes yeah but you're right like i guess on a human on a human character in star wars you don't see anyone like cut no. or bleeding no yeah okay i'm sure somebody on facebook will go no you're idiots what exactly about this that and the other but there you go <laughs> <laughs> all right not um, the first time right yeah yeah, so Rogue Two, he's got a bit of a bloody nose, but not for much uh, longer, because he, he blows up um, shortly yeah, after done. this. He's gone. Uh, Luke gets hit, and uh, he, he's got all that uh, electronic arcing effect, doesn't he? It almost looks like the Emperor's lighting, uh, lightning effect. Yeah, it? all the blue all the static shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then when, straight- he, when he crashes, though, I, I still sometimes, I think... That was a pretty pretty easy like crash for the speed he's going and how he fell. It's like, Ugh, and that's it kind of thing. I was just about to say. I mean, you see him okay. coming down. He's coming down, and he. I think he hits the snowbank. But even if you hit a snowbank, I mean, you know, I've had to do emergency stops. I've had a couple of pranks in my car doing thirty miles an hour, and I went a bit further forward than that. You know. <laughs> yes. It didn't. It, it he, he literally he hit a pillow. Like, oh, I hit a pillow. But yeah, it should have been a little bit, yeah, a little bit harder. <laughs> Maybe in a galaxy far, far away, the seatbelts are much better than ours. Good point. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's struggling to get out of his snow speeder. You've got a walker approaching. Brilliant use of uh, sound effects as that leg yeah. gets closer and closer. You know, proper That's industrial true. sound effects. Of course, they would make all these noises, all these different electrical all the, and mechanical Yeah, parts all the working. gears the gear shifting and, and coming up and down. And I really think it's cool. I mean, I'll be honest. If, if, if Dak was shot, I guess he wasn't dead, but Luke went for the body. He, he got hmm. the body like immediately. He didn't care about himself. He, he reached back unhooked his seatbelt and got him out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. But, uh, then, that, then his snow speeder gets, uh, flattened, uh, yeah. as he throws himself clear um and we cut back into the command center we've got that um i can't remember his name but you've got the uh the dead uh white c3po just yeah. like hanging there um yeah. and uh we've got the whole you know imperial troops have entered the base uh yeah. line um that bit i always think of this um the, the bit when you know Han says, come on, we're leaving. And, you know, she says, get to your transports. And they go along the corridor and they have the little cave-in and that. And he says, you know, I'll get her out on the Falcon. I always remember, yeah, when when Empire Strikes came back, came out, I used to watch every TV show that was going to review it, okay? Because I wanted to see some of this new Star Wars film. And this is the scene they showed out of anything that they could have shown in Empire Strikes Back. It was this bit, them just going down a corridor with a bit of snow falling down and them going in the other direction. And as soon as they got to the Millennium Falcon, you know, and you see them running off and and C-3PO's going, wait for me, wait for me. That's when they cut it. And it's like... Oh, you're kidding. I want to see some spaceships. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I guess they were teasing you like, look, here's the Falcon. And then they wanted, then they ended it. So you could, ooh, I want to see more of the Falcon. You That's know? exactly what they were doing, weren't they? They knew what they yeah. were doing. Yeah, let, oh, yeah. Yeah, just let, 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 let's just show some people running down a corridor and leave them wanting more. Isn't this the, the, the uncut scene, deleted scene where C-3PO pulls the Wampa sign? Yeah, you see him. He looks at it. When he runs past, there's the door with the uh, sign on it. Um, yeah. But uh, then, no, yeah, that uh, uh, of course, that's the one where he, he's supposed to remove that. So the snow troopers go in there and that's where the Wampas yeah. are uh, um, just being kept and they escape. And yeah. The I'm glad that's not in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
kind of, yes, I, it was cool seeing it, obviously, but yeah, it it doesn't really it doesn't really do much to the scene. No, I mean the Wampers. I mean the Wampa that we said, uh, at least in the original version of uh, Empire Strikes Back, it's cut so quick. You, you know, it's not that evident that it's a man in a suit. I think if they yeah. had included that, it's very obvious they're men in in suits. And also, I think it would have slowed down the film too much. It would have broken the pace. You know, the, it's going at a fair old clip at the moment. And if suddenly you had this mini fight between the snow troopers and uh, the wampers i think it would have slowed it down a bit like in alien you know uh, that deleted scene near the end where ripley is trying to escape and she comes across dallas and brett oh, and yeah. being cocooned in the eggs that was cut out for pacing reasons and uh, yeah uh, I, i'm very glad it is because the film would have just stopped dead you know it makes sense yeah you're absolutely right yeah so we go back outside all, all, all the troops there in retreat and I said in the Dave clip that uh, the very first time you see all three walkers and the front one, you know, its cockpit is glowing red, that uh, if 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 I, you know, had to choose an image from Empire Strikes Back to have blown up as a poster and have it framed, it would be that one. This one coming up is my second choice where you've got the three walkers, uh, all the troops are running away from them uh, towards yeah. the camera and, and they look just absolutely so imposing and huge that yeah. that 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 scene has been put together immaculately i think it 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 shows you like how small the people really are and how big those things are and then when they they shoot the little people the people are dying they're like getting blown up and they're yeah. getting thrown around and yeah those those things are just so huge you when know you, when you think those walkers are like a foot tall and you see them in a scene where they actually look like they're about like 100 feet tall you know it, it's an amazing shot i love that shot dearly and yeah. i think what i think that shot or some or a variation on it was used on battlefront or something there was a computer game where you had walkers on the cover and it looked just like this where you had the troops escaping with the uh, walkers in the background yeah, I mean, that's I watched it with my son maybe half an hour ago. And of course, you know, he was like, this looks just like Battlefront. And I'm saying, well, yeah, it, it came from this scene. Like, you know, Battlefront looks just like Star Wars, buddy. Mm, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, we then see a side view and you've got Luke running after a walker. Um, and uh, he uses his little nifty, you know, the uh, the magnet thing on the end of a rope and he fires the rope up. Um, yeah. to, to the underbelly. Uh, I, I don't like mentioning the prequels too often, but I, I just like to say here: if he if he is like approaching to be a, a Jedi Knight in the prequels, he would have just done a force leap up there, wouldn't he? He wouldn't have needed you, a wire. I didn't even think of that. You're right. Just use just use the force. Yeah. Yeah, he would have, so, wouldn't he? It would have just gone. Yes, he would have. <laughs> <laughs> and and I guess he he wasn't fully, you know have all his force powers yet or training all the way yet <laughs> but you say about training i mean uh, earlier in this uh, in this battle you know he's the one who realizes that uh, the armor's too strong for blasters uh he doesn't realize that until they've been shooting at it for a while and he's the one who cottons on that uh the yeah. armor's too strong but he seems to know exactly where a hatch is on the underside of the walker um <laughs> um and he knows i don't know how he does it but his lightsaber he kind of like swings his lightsaber which opens the hatch somehow or i saw like it doesn't, he, he doesn't cut it you're right it just a door opens yeah he sort of like bangs i think there's a spark or something yeah. so it's like he's cutting a bolt off of a hatch oh yeah okay 
which then springs back, and then he's got some sort of a grenade on him. I don't know yeah. why, why, why why snow speeder pilots would be having like hand grenades on their belt. On their bodies. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, he, and he lobs that in, and he seems to know that that's going to do the trick. It does do the trick, but uh, I'd like to know how he knows all this. And he throws it towards the back of the AT-AT. Yeah. So does it, I didn't catch it. Did it, ex- start, did it explode in the back first or in the front? Yeah, all, all, all the, in a second, all the flashes are coming from that area. Yeah, so okay. it, it obviously starts a chain reaction. Um, again, if this was a prequel, he would have done a forced leap down. He wouldn't have just let go and then drop. Because that, that was a far drop. That was a big drop, wasn't it? Yeah, he would have broken. I would have broken an ankle during that scene. Because <laughs> they did drop, they did drop him, didn't they? They um, they got some sort of scaffolding tower, and uh, you know when they were out in Norway, and and Mark Hamill did like, I don't know if he was pushed, but <laughs> he actually did <laughs> fall. I don't know about you know five six feet or something like that into a snowdrift. So he actually right. did did drop. Obviously not that far, but yeah, he does that. You get all the flashing in the underbelly. Um, um, and you get uh, again. This is the uh, where the Scout Walker reappears. Just okay. goes past him again. Totally unnecessary, but you know, all part of the fun. Um, right. So we get the fi- fa- fancy light show, um, and then the head blows up. Yes. So it must be a chain reaction. Some something did something, and uh, the head blows up. Right, but when the thing falls over, I'm still looking for Luke. I'm trying to see where his body <laughs> is during during all this. You know. Well, the cutoff point for your sequence is the head blowing up. So I'm sure Matt's up next. I'll I'll see if Matt was actually looking to see if uh, um, there's a tiny little Luke there as it L- falls little over. Little orange little figure, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So that's it. That's your sequence over, Chris. All right. So okay. I, 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 I need a rating from you, please. I know, and it's rough. When you... When you give me movies in my childhood that I love more than anything and I got to rate it now, I feel I feel bad. I feel right. bad like what I'm going to say. And I hate to use this. I always do because it's Star Wars. I can't be too harsh on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yes, it, there's a lot of um. You can tell when it's a toy, when it's a model, when it falls over. Sometimes, you know, it's not the greatest effects, but I, I always think about this was, you know, early 80s. It's like it, it's fantastic now. But I'm giving it seven and a half because it's not, you know, perfect. There is some some flaws, but the back of me says, hey, it's Star Wars. Be nice. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm very surprised. I mean, you know, the times that you've been on the show, you've been very generous. I know. With, I know. With, with your votings. And here we are, you know, talking about Star Wars and you've give, only given it a seven and a half. Can I change that? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's but what was in your real, mind. It's a real nice, generous seven and a half. <laughs> well, I, I'm being far more generous than you because, you know, I love it. I mean, there's a couple of I, truly iconic shots in this. And um, and I love the imagination that's gone into it. And I'm actually giving it a nine and a half. That's, that's better than mine. <laughs> yeah. So that gives us an average of eight and a half. Okay. No, I feel bad now. See, now I feel somebody else is going to going to hate me because I give it a seven and a half. No, always go with your first instinct. I always okay. say that in anything. Go with your first instinct. Don't overthink it. You know. Okay. And All and right. you know me, I don't overthink anything. Okay. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for your time, Chris. Thank Thank you, Eric. It was fun. All right. Okay. And uh, we will now move on uh, to Matt. Come on, come on! Switch over. Let's hope we don't have a burnout. 
Hello. Hello. Right, we're on the home straight now of this. Uh, uh, is it an epic? I don't know yet because I haven't listened to the whole thing put together. But it, it, it's by far. Usually, usually when the four of us are involved, epic is usually followed by mess or disappointment. So one way or another, you're probably right. Or it's said with great sarcasm. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> anyway, w- welcome to this uh, last segment of uh, the Battle of Hoth. Well, thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, and uh, I'm interested to hear what you've got to say. Um, And I've got a question uh, for you straight away. Um, The the walker's head's just blown up and he starts to topple over. When you watch that, have you ever seen a teeny tiny little Luke standing there as he falls over? No. And I'm looking now. No, we didn't either. Oh, okay. For, for, for listeners to this show, you know, you would have just heard me and Chris discussing it. But, yeah, Chris pointed out, shouldn't you see Luke standing there? Because, you know. Oh, oh, OK. I got what you're saying. He should be there. Yeah. yeah. OK. They're not that big, really, aren't they? I mean, I mean, a, a human comes up almost to the the size of a foot of a walker. So, you yeah, would, you would see him there. Uh, especially since he's, yeah, you know, I'm going back just to remind myself he's lying down. It's not like he continued running. So he. He hit the ground and took a facer into the snow. You're right. Yeah, maybe he got up and, and legged it because he didn't <laughs> maybe, know which yeah. way it was going to topple, you know. It's a Prometheus thing. He's trying to get out of the way, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and in that shot, I mean, you're, if you're looking at it right now, um, it's another one of these instances all throughout the Battle of Hoth that if you don't look at what's happening in the foreground and look in the background, there's a walker in the background, and it's just standing there doing yep. absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. Which I when it was in the cinema, I always used to look out for them, and it always used to make me smile. I was saying to Dave, I, I, in in the special edition or for the Blu-ray, they did then start animating those ones in the background, but they haven't done it here on the Blu-ray. Right. Okay. But the best, and the best part of that is that when they the the walker that is falling over, when it passes by some kind of set light, it casts a shadow across the one behind it. Yeah. <laughs> I love the way as it topples over it. That is a huge amount of smoke to be pouring out. Where, where is all that smoke coming from? You know, if I it, always wanted to know why the head blew up. Yeah, because the explosion's at his rear end. Yeah. If what anything, about throwing it, a, a fist-sized grenade into the belly of the of this giant walking beast makes the head explode really is it should be his backside that blows off and he, yeah, right. he should really be farting smoke really yeah. you know but anyway it is effective the head's come off over he goes oh, yeah. um and we go back to veers um and his whole you know distance to power generators thing um and uh and i like how uh, the walker is you know as he says that the the guys who are operating the walker they're still taking time to shoot snow speeders out the sky <laughs> yeah. as they fly past um, and he, he does this whole target maximum firepower. Always a great line. Um, yeah. 
And again, I love the the walker takes its time to shoot some of the soldiers on the ground. You know, yep. it's got its like little head guns <laughs> shoot down and then it braces itself before uh, firing at the power generators. Well, this has a I mean, there's a couple of things about this that I like. It's you, you the, the the no detail was missed on this this two seconds, if that not even it's mm. probably a second. You're right. It's regular firing at the at the approaching Whatever this it's identifying as danger, it's, it's probably picking and choosing who to shoot, the ones that are closest. Then you're right. It braces itself. It almost rears back. The lasers are bigger, and they even tweak the sound so that you got a sense that there was a heck of a lot more power coming out of this shot than the last shots we saw in this whole scene. It's it's what we've said before about the ILM guys. They're paying attention, and, that, and they're being so imaginative and creative. And they've obviously got the script, and it says target maximum firepower. And it's like, yeah, like right. how do we represent that visually and audibly? And blooming heck, they do do it, don't they? Yes, they do, yep. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that great moment that we cut back inside the corridor, um, and, uh, you know, they're trying to make their way to the, to the Falcon um, with a lot of whinging from C-3PO. <laughs> and um, for all these for, for all these uh, reviews of each, each segment, I tend to have our youngest daughter with us, and she adores C-3PO. She laughs her head off. Every bit of moaning <laughs> really? that he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's the whole Jar Jar Binks thing, you know. Um, we find him incredibly irritating, uh, but the children actually find those characters rather endearing. And she loves the fact that C-3PO is always, uh, um, you know, uh, moaning or something's going wrong with him, you know. <laughs> gotcha. But she's a big Lauren Hardy fan as well, and oh, okay. um, so well, you know, that's, yeah, and that is, yeah, I, I see the absolutely see the parallels. Yeah, yeah, he has got a bit of the old Oliver Hardy about him, you know. He, yep. he he's pompous. He thinks he's far more important and, and educated than everybody else, and he's always coming a cropper. So yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yep, he's better than everybody else until the danger comes, and then he falls yeah. apart. Maybe the O in C three PO stands for Oliver. That could be. Yes, it could. There you go. That could be. That, you never know. There's always uh, maybe J.J. Abrams will chime in with that. He likes to chime in every two months around people. He has something to do with Star Wars. I'm going to write to Leyland Chi and say that's that's who needs to tell us. Yes, that's who needs to tell us. Yeah. That's who needs to tell us. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I love this next part. Um, the snow troopers entering the base, uh, and you've got the Imperial March over the top of it. Yes. I mean that's just. I mean that that's Star Wars in a nutshell. If if if, if you want to just you say, well, this is why Star Wars is great. This is one of the bits that you could do. That's like what two seconds, five seconds, and and that's it. You know, completely summed up, isn't it? It's very. Um, I don't know if it's on purpose or if it's just because it's how you know the Empire has to break into these things. It reminds me of the first time we met the Empire in the entire saga in Star Wars when they blew up the door to the Ten of Four and first a couple of stormtroopers came through and Darth Vader followed behind. So it's like you kind of pulls your memory and your emotions a bit back to the tension of how this whole thing started. That is a very good point. And it is an explosive entrance as well. Just like, yeah, yeah. I'd never uh, associated the two. But, yeah, no, you're absolutely right, aren't you? Yeah. What that doesn't happen a lot, so I'll take it, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what I've, I've always found a bit odd, uh, you say Vader there, he comes in and, you, you know, uh, the stormtroopers are leading the way and they sort of like go the wrong way and then they come back and he does yeah. this sort of like double take and then he goes and continues following them. And I always thought that was a bit odd. Um, but watching this bit again, you know, for today, 
this week I've I've been so reminded of did you see Donald Trump getting off of his plane <laughs> yes. and walking yeah. past his limo and doing that double take and it's like yep. oh my goodness that's a Donald Trump moment you know yeah well yeah it is and uh, you mentioned it yeah yeah <laughs> okay and it is now watching it I mean I, I went through it several times and watching it now and keep rewinding it it's almost and this might be a bad thing to do this was not a very um, what do I want to say? I, I want to pick the right words. It was not a, a, a accommodating set for someone of the stature of David Prowse in a Darth Vader costume because mm. he's got to do some weird twists and turns to get through some of this stuff. There is a lot of debris everywhere, obviously. But he pulls know. it off. I mean, for me, what, 35, 37 years later and watching it 17 times in a row just a second to notice that? Actually, that's really not bad. He obviously pulls it off. Yeah, and, and wearing all that clobber and everything. I mean, right, yeah. I, I, I've got a Don Post uh, Darth Vader mask, and if I put that on, I can't see a darn thing. And, that, right, and, yeah. and, and that's a toy helmet, you know, let alone yes. all, all, all the rest of it. Yeah. So we, we cut back to our heroes. We've got more whinging from uh, C-3PO, um, and then we get that brilliant shot of the hangar, uh, that long shot of the hangar with yes. the falcon at the end of it. And that hangar looks beautiful. It um, does, yep. It doesn't look like it's on a soundstage at L, L Street, which it is. Nope. But, yeah, you can believe that. You can believe that that's an ice hanger on the planet Hoth. And I know you're not doing specific behind the scenes, but I'm assuming most of that detail with the ceiling and the walls has to be some kind of like a matte painting or a glass painting. Yeah, on top it, of it. it yeah, has to be. I mean, I, it, it's either a glass shot or it's a matte painting, I reckon. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I can kind of see it if I really look at it, but it's it's really difficult to tell. And yeah, it is. It is a gorgeous shot. And it doesn't matter. I mean, especially when you're watching it for the first time, you're not thinking about things like this. Now nope, we are, we're, we're, we're overanalyzing it and right. peering at things. That's how come I can see the walkers doing nothing yeah. in the background because <laughs> I've watched the foreground so much. It wasn't designed to be scrutinized like this, you know, and it really doesn't matter. Um, the heroes, they get that they get to the Falcon, they go on and C-3PO gets on the ramp. And I love the way how he gets on the ramp. Then the ramp starts closing. Now, obviously, yep. there's some there's some bod off to one side waiting for a cue to go now and then activate the motors or pulleys or whatever to pull him up. You know, I don't know if there was a close call on like take one, take two. <laughs> right. Or I like to think there would be. And almost um, they must have run through this because Anthony Daniel, I mean, it's it, it, the human instinct. You know your head range. You know when to duck. Mm -hmm. So you see Peter Mayhew, who can probably see much better than see uh, Anthony Daniels, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher. They zip up it. It's so natural. Realizing that Anthony Daniels probably can, only has like thirty to forty percent of his field of vision, mm -hmm. ducks perfectly and goes up. I wonder, curious how many, and it lifts like you said as they did it. I wonder how many times they ran through that. Like you said, maybe lifted too early. Maybe he whacked yeah. his head on the way in because. Again, overanalyzing it, you're like, wait a minute, that that's not a that couldn't have been that natural for him to see and do. So no. I wonder how how much practice that took. Yeah, full props to him because he's he's basically yeah. got pinholes to look out of, mm -hmm. you, know, mm -hmm. you know, in that mask. But yeah, I I would like to see that how many takes that took to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so they're on the Falcon. Uh, we cut back to Vader and we got the music as well. Um, we go back inside the Falcon and you know a typical hand solo thing where, you know, nothing's working and we've got yeah. the whole, will it help if I get out and push and everything? Um, that Vader, that Vader shot, nothing happens other than the fact that, you know, Vader is approaching because the, the where the direction he's coming in the cut they made. Yeah. Just him walking in that ice cavern, Cape flowing 
uh, a strut of determination is just an awesome shot, and absolutely nothing happens in that shot except him yeah. walking. And also, you know, looking back on it now, you know, after Rogue One, and we've seen, you know, exactly what Vader can do when he wants to. If he had right. got on board the Millennium Falcon and actually managed to get on board, what would he have done? You know, right, right. So yeah, the the uh, the Falcon's not cooperating. Uh, we've got the moment where Han, you know, goes in the cockpit <laughs> and nothing works, and he punches it. That yep. uh, that always uh, made the people laugh. Yep. You know, and, uh, you, you know, I'm sure you're the same. If ever a piece of equipment doesn't work, the first, you, you, you know, idea is to give it a thump, see if yep. it works. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we see the snow troopers. They uh, get shot by the underside gun that pops right. down, you know, turns yep. around and shoots very rapidly. Um, why the thought I had watching this again, again, thinking far too much. Why didn't Chewbacca use that in Docking Bay 94? You know, when the sand troopers come in and, you know, he's obviously up in the co- cockpit because, you know, Han Solo says, Chewie, get us out of here. You know, why didn't Chewbacca use that gun in Star Wars and shoot the sand troopers? Hmm. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it was broken and they just got it fixed with the money they got from uh, blowing up the Death Star. All right, fair enough. Yeah, that's, that's what they did with all that stuff that was in the crates. <laughs> yeah. The, th- the, the things that were in the crates, they were spare parts yeah. for the underside gun. Yeah. There you go. There right. You go. Uh, I like the way the snowtroopers are setting up a bloody great, you know, tripod blaster type thing. I love obviously this. Normal, yeah. normal handguns aren't, aren't going to work <laughs> against the Falcon. You never see that gun ever again in any of the Star Wars films. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they actually take the time to set it up. There's one or two shots. Not a lot. It feels actually longer in my memory. One or two shots of them setting it up. And by the time they're positioned behind it to actually pull the trigger, bam, it gets blown up. See, that's a Lauren Hardy moment. That's exactly what would happen with Lauren Hardy. Yeah, they would right. take ages to do something, go to do it, and then it falls apart or whatever. So we get the punch it line from Han, another, you know, terrific line from the film and a terrific moment because the outside of the hangar starts speeding past the window, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, you know, I didn't even notice that. Uh, yeah, I guess it does. Oh yeah. I see what you're talking about. <laughs> I just, yeah. I guess I noticed movement, but it is, it's like, it is a uh, story accurate. That's crazy. I never noticed that detail. Call yourself a fan. I know. <laughs> it's, I'm horrible. <laughs> I'm horrible. Yeah, and uh, I, I love the way that Vader sees them leave. You know, he he's just got to stand there and watch them leave. Yeah, you know, it's my memory, and it must be like the comedy. Um, my my uh, uh, being a big fan of comedy. My memory of this, like from when I saw it in 1980 till finally getting it on home video, like I don't know when, 87, 88. Um, uh, I I always remember him being like kind of pushed back from the thrust of the Falcon, but of course that doesn't actually happen and that wouldn't happen to Vader. So my mind must've put that in there after watching all those comedy movies between viewings. You don't suppose it's your memory mixing that up. Cause you know, later on in empire strikes back when Luke, he smashes that window on Bespin and you've got his cloak blowing backwards. You're not kind of like mixing. Oh, that could be sure. It, yeah. it could be, couldn't it? Maybe it could be. Yeah. I'm I'm sure you know in in the expanded universe or or whatever you know you know after the fact you know they've made you know Vader so much more powerful and everything I'm sure you know uh, or in the Force Unleashed or whatever he he would have put his hand out and and could stop the Millennium Falcon dead oh, true, or something right. like that. just stop <laughs> that, it. That, well, since you wow you always manage to trigger a a theme park ride memory every time I'm on this show. That's <laughs> have I done exactly another one? What, 
that's exactly what happens in the beginning. There's um, Star Tours, the new one, the, the the new one, not the one with the the Pee Wee Herman voiced robot that we talked mm-hmm. about on on our show. The new one. There's two openings. One where where a, a droid checks kind of checks your manifest and finds out there's a spy on board and then stormtroopers follow you the other one is darth vader is looking for a rebel spy on board and he identifies it and you go to you go to take off i mean you you feel the thrust of backing away from him he puts out his hand and he stops you so he has in canon or i guess i think star wars is canon or at least in the star wars realm one way or another has stopped a ship with his bare hands oh man or with the force obviously (laughs) i mean the force yeah Oh boy, that's depressing. No, 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 no. Oh no! Right, let's move on. Um, <laughs> so we then cut to outside, and I've said before the very first time that you see the three walkers, and one of the, the the walker, the lead one's got the red cockpit. That's my favourite image from uh, Empire Strikes Back. I've got this, the ion cannon, and what happens now that brilliant shot uh, uh, when we go outside and the millennium falcon it flies out from the right from behind that uh, mm. snow drift past luke and the camera follows it as it passes yeah. and luke turns around and he matches it i mean so often you see in films oh, yeah. where you've got live action and the eye line doesn't quite match properly you know what they're meant to be looking at i mean obviously you know old liam neeson was you know, the complete opposite of this in Phantom Menace, where he, he was never actually looking at anything he was meant to be looking at. But here, right. Mark Hamill, actually, you know, it looks like he is watching a Millennium Falcon flying past. I love this shot. I, I think it's the most amazing shot. It's a good shot. It, what, what's so amazing about it is that it's like one of those things that it doesn't stand out to me the first watching in a couple revisits because it is so well done it's not till you start thinking about how it was done and that is that it is a special effect that you realize how good it is the fact that it doesn't stand out is the probably the biggest compliment of it i think and and you know looking at it on blu-ray on a big tv now um it's always problematical if you're going to um mat in a um you know a model against a, a real sky but there's there's no mat line you can't fault it even now mm-hmm. no it looks amazing yep. it um, does yeah um so that's it the falcon is off we're almost at the end of the segment now um luke says r2 get ready for takeoff um and it's been mentioned before uh with you guys on star wars in character the amazing amazing casualness of the rebels they're just not in any hurry <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I really don't get it you know the falcon has just come out and it couldn't have flown very far because there's been a cut they they, they they leave the hangar you see it leave the hangar then you see it fly through the sky so just around that snow drift is the hangar with darth vader and a shitload of snow, snow troopers and these guys are like they're packing up after a picnic or something yeah, no, it's, <laughs> the only thing i can think of is that all except one of them are pilots, so maybe that's just the pilot cool under fire mentality. But that's a, you're right; it's a little too cool. You're right because the ones that are moving aren't moving very fast, and the ones that aren't moving, well, that's that's a problem. They're not moving. They're not dead. They're not injured. They're just kind of sitting there, hanging out, like yeah, you know, putting their t- taking the t- the one guy's taking time to adjust his uh his jacket. Is that is that important right now? <laughs> It is that they're all meant to be getting to their transports, like right, Princess yeah. Leia said, you know, <laughs> and and the guy says, oh, good luck, Luke. See you at the rendezvous. But he says yeah. it in, you know, in, in such a nonchalant way, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, sort of. It's like nothing just happened. Yeah. Oh, dear. 
They're so cool, these rebels. <laughs> right, so that's it. Uh, the, the Battle of Hoth is effectively over. Um, you didn't have an awful lot of special effects to talk about in this segment, um, but uh, I still need a rating off of you, Matt. Oh, this is like... You got, I got the Vader scene, though, so I feel I, I, feel I won. Um, <laughs> really, even just looking at it, I can see some things not perfect and it's and 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 the biggest obstacle i think this thing has had since day one is the fact that it's a white it's 90 percent white background and everything they do but i can't find one thing that i can tell you that's wrong that looks like crap and i wish they hadn't done this i could watch this and have watched this countless times and i'd be lying if i gave it anything other than a 10 okay right right, so that the the tapping you can hear is uh me with my um calculator okay oh i got you okay <laughs> because uh we're coming up to the end of the show and i've got i've got to give an average for everything okay right and the, the one thing i didn't get to mention actually now you, i'm i'm zipping through it again is that this is like this has got one of my favorite imperial moments veers is one of the best characters he's got one of the best military or the i'd say battle costumes and he's just so there's no doubt from the beginning to end of the scene that he's going to walk away with a win. I love that about this scene as well. Yeah, he is cool, isn't he? Yeah, he's cool. That's a good way to put it. He is cool. He's cool on a cool planet. Yep. <laughs> right. OK, well, right. if you give it a 10, um, I still rate it very, very highly, although I'm not going to be as generous as you. I give it a nine. OK, okay. so that gives it an average of nine and a half. OK, all right. Right here we go. Are you? Are, okay. Are you, you got a spreadsheet I, ready? I've got the spreadsheet ready. I've been <laughs> I've I've been tapping away as you've been talking, yeah. and and uh, the results are in, as they say. Okay. Right. Let me give you a rundown of where we've been up until now, and then uh, and then we'll we'll get to the uh, final result. So Tim's segment. Tim was the first to go. He had uh, general. There's a fleet of star destroyers coming out of hyperspace up to the first macro binocular shot. Um, would you like to have a guess at what an average me and Tim came up with for that? Hmm, I got to refresh my memory on that. Let me scrub back just a little bit here to see what that looks like. Um, I know it was both high. Um, it might be a little low. I don't know. It's hard to tell. With the intro, it could be a little higher than this or a little lower. I'm going to go against my instinct and say it's a little lower and say it's a, a nine average it was a nine average oh, right. well done one out of one okay dave's segment uh went from that the first micro binocular shot to i don't think we can protect two transports at a time line okay so in that segment you get the first proper reveal of the walkers and the first battle of the walkers okay um I'm going to say that the uh, there is some jerkiness that doesn't. I I think it holds up. It's charming, but uh, if you showed it to a kid today, he'd be like, "That looks like a wind-up toy." So I think that is going. I think I think there's. Um, now I'm really overthinking it more than I did the scene. I think Dave gave it a ten because I think Dave gives everything an Empire ten. I think you were you took some of that in consideration, went with nine, and got a nine point five like we did. Hmm. Well, you're not far off. The ah. actual average was 9.45. Four or five? How did that happen? <laughs> because they, I think Dave gave a 9.65. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That sounds like Dave, yeah. 
listen to the episode. He, he has okay. a justification for it, okay? Uh, but you're not doing too bad. You, f- f- first one you got right. You're only 0.05 out on the second one. Um, third segment is Chris. He went from that line about, I don't think we can protect two transports at a time, up until the walker's head blowing off. Okay. Okay. So what do you reckon? Oh, boy. That one, uh, that's actually not too... Well, actually, he had more action than mine did, but a lot of the scenes are the same. So I think... Uh, I think... It was kind of the same of you and I again, the same Dave uh, idea I had where he went 10, you went 9, got 9.5. Nope. Uh, oh. You fell at the last hurdle. It, it was actually 8.5. Really? Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, listen to uh, listen to the playback and you'll find out why. Okay. okay. All right. Right. So with all those scores and uh, the average that we've got today of 9.5, that actually creates a, a a grand total average of 9.1. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, I thought it was going to be higher than that. I did. I thought it was going to be 9.5 or higher. Mm-hmm. You know? That's what but, I was expecting uh, too. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, all in all, we get a 9.1. Okay. okay. All right. Well, that's it. That's the uh, that's the show over. I'm hoping there's people still listening to this. Uh, you know. <laughs> as of recording, as I said right at the very beginning, I'm, I'm recording all four guys completely separately, in some cases months apart, So, um, and it will all be cobbled together at the end. So I've no idea how long this episode uh, lasts. I hope people <laughs> liked it, and I hope people stuck with it uh, to the very end here. So thanks for putting up with us. And um, see you next time. Uh, Matt, see you next time as well. All right. Yeah, always looking forward to these conversations. Really enjoy being on the show. Uh, I I love having you on. And uh, to the next time, okay? All right. All right. Cheers then. And cheers, everyone. Bye-bye. That's all, folks.